So uh, where exactly are you located at? I'm in Seattle. Oh, is that how do you like it up there? I love it. I love it. It's it's I guess it's kind of like it's similar to London mm-hmm. in in the way that uh, the weather is. Uh, people are cool. Co- the cost of living's high, but the the quality of life is very good up here. Are you originally from there? I am not. I'm from the Ozarks. Oh, okay, <laughs> like the the show, right? <laughs> Just like it, just like it in many, many ways. No, uh, same region. Yeah. Yeah. That's Missouri. Is that, is that right? It is. It really, really is. Half of my family tree probably doesn't branch. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, how did you go from there to saying I'm in Seattle? You know, I was uh, uh, in the, the Navy and I out-processed or got out of the Navy in Bremerton, uh, which is kind of close to here-ish, and I uh, spent some days up here and went, wow, this is really fantastic, and then still ended up going back to Missouri for things, and then uh, after I was done with vet school, I know I'm jumping ahead, but uh, I just kind of went, why, what's holding me in this wonderful state of Missouri, or misery, as they say, mm-hmm. so uh, mm-hmm. I said, well, why don't I just move, and then uh I just put in my month's notice and drove up on April Fool's 2015 on a whim with, with a job in hand, of course. But uh, yeah, just kind of went for it. Why not? No, I mean, we only live once as far as we know. So you might as well take every opportunity you can. Did you know? Any- oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, that's it. Uh, did you know anybody in Seattle? Decided- no. Oh, okay. Man, that's just. Now, I hear that they always talk about how much it rains, but I've heard here in Memphis we get as much rain as you guys do up there. I've heard that as well. So we don't get, very rarely do we get the hard rains, and there might be a bit of drizzle here and there, and we don't even bother to have umbrellas. You know, we can always tell someone from out of town because they have an umbrella. We're like, ah, tourist. <laughs> but uh, it, it it seems to drizzle a bit most days, but in the summer we're bone dry my my grass turns brown in the oh, summer. Wow. And of course, you know, California goes on to, it, it sets on fire and then Washington also sets on fire. Uh, so it's, it's super dry in the summers, but uh, yeah, I've heard that we don't get as much rain. It just some, it seems that way. And I, I actually love the overcast. I love the, the mood. Mm. It's always like twilight up here, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I've been to Washington state. It's a beautiful place. Stunning up here. It's really, really gorgeous. Because I went to uh, where did they film the Goonies? Um, the beach. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Cannon Beach or something like that. Or it starts with an A. Astoria. It is Astoria. Very good. Yeah. But yeah, I went to yeah. that beach when I was up there, and it's it's a beautiful place. Though it's like just driving through there to see all the trees and all the green. How everything's so green. It's different than here. Um, it's lush all yeah. year. Mm-hmm. So you said you were in the Navy? I was a naval officer for, for five years. Is that something you always wanted to do or how'd that become? <laughs> okay, another uh, jumping out of the plane without a parachute. Uh, after graduating from uh, university, I realized I had never seen the ocean and never traveled, still in Missouri. And so I just joined the Navy. I didn't even know if I could get seasick. I just went for it. And Went to OCS in Pensacola, Florida, uh, and spent five years in the Navy. Wow. What was your journey like? You know, it was, 
I've never had so little sleep, but expected to be so functional. So that really tested me and prepared me for vet school, to be honest. So vet school was a breeze in that way. Uh, but sleep deprivation, but still being conscious of and aware of what you're doing and what your mission is, uh, discipline, organization, all those things that uh, some people are just innately born with, but I needed to develop and get better at. So that was a big part of my journey along with weight loss, not because of the Navy, but because of things that I chose to do uh, in while I was in the Navy, I uh, changed my life. To be, to be honest, so did, the whole trajectory, yeah. So, as far as your mentality, that changed with being in the military. It did. Uh, so, I was. I'm a military family. So, my father was career army, and so it was in my it was in my blood, and it was a familiar lifestyle. So, it wasn't a big leap for me to also go into the military, and I found it to be very rewarding in many aspects. I wouldn't take it back. I wouldn't go back but I wouldn't take you back. Yeah. <laughs> it's you, like Arnold Schwarzenegger said, um, you just have to learn how to sleep faster. <laughs> oh, I wish I could. I wish I could just download sleep. Yeah. So much more efficient. Did you travel a lot when you were in the service? I sure did. So I, I saw, I wanted to get stationed in Rota, Spain, because then you could, you're basically, you could take the Euro pass and go through Europe. I wanted to do Europe, like legitimately get through all that. But they sent me to Japan, uh, so I ended up seeing more Asian, Australian kind of countries. Uh, wonderful. It was a wonderful experience either way, but uh, Hawaii. Yeah, lots of lots of different places. Philippines, Thailand, Hong Kong, Singapore, and Australia. I always love. Man, that's to go so there cool. It's, it's really cool. Um you don't necessarily get to see as much of it as you'd like to because you got to be on the ship for, for part of that, too. So um, but the opportunity was there. And then the camaraderie, the esprit de corps that you get from working with all these wonderful people. Uh, it's, 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 it's cool. As far as traveling so much and seeing so many different cultures and then coming back here, what is your mentality as far as how people here are compared to overseas? The civilians, I still call them civilians. I still call them. <laughs> uh, I think that, uh, I'll try and say this the kindest way. I think that they, we have it good over here. True. So uh, I, I think we don't appreciate as a culture, as, a, as, as certainly as a society, I don't, I, we just have no idea how lucky we are. Mm -hmm. every single day to be Americans and to be a part of this country. And when you go to another country, uh, certainly not, not all of them had poverty in the same way, but you, you see some things that, that you never, never forget. And you're just very thankful. And, and I also think the work ethic's a little different too, certainly um, shorter days and um, I don't know, it's complaining, kind of, a little more, it's complaining a little bit more about, things that uh you just gotta get on with it get get the job done yeah it's like over there you know it's like what just happened in ukraine you know those people were just sleeping one night and then they got invaded like, yeah we, we don't have to we you know i say we don't have to worry about stuff like that because we live in america but it's like you just never know what's going to happen and now those people's lives are all uprooted 
that is, it, it, it's all relative. And it makes, you know, when you hear a teenager complaining that their, their iPhone died or their parents won't get them one, you're like, there are kids over in Ukraine who don't know where their family is. Yeah. Don't know if they're going to be alive tomorrow, where they're going to eat. Um, yeah, it's all relative. Uh, so the daily, daily uh, decisions that you have to make in America for the average kid or the, the adult, uh, it's not life and death like it is from what I've seen in other countries. So I'm just very thankful every single day. I mean, you see how like people that are over there want to come here and that has to say, I mean, there's a reason behind that. Yes. And in fact, uh, that whole immigrant mentality, you know, like most immigrants come over here and they want to, they want to make a life for themselves. And, you know, most people here, it's just, I mean, you can't really fault people if they don't know. So they're ignorant. So ignorance mm -hmm. is bliss. So like, if you don't know anything else, you're just going to assume what your way of life is everything. So then that, you know, that's why some of them do complain because that's all they know. You know, they just know everyday life. Now, if they went somewhere else and saw it through a set, different set of eyes, then maybe that would be a different story. I think exposure to different cultures and different ways of life, knowing your history uh, helps a great deal in putting things into a better perspective so that you can make better decisions. I just don't, I think that as Americans, we're a bit lazy in doing that work. Yeah. So that's why you see people taking things for granted and, and uh, yeah, not, not going deeper, not looking at the different layers that the world has to offer. And they're quite interesting. Some are heartbreaking, but they're worth looking at. And I think the thing, too, is we're such a new country. Yeah, we are. In the grand scheme <laughs> of things, you know, like we we forget that, that we're the baby on the block. What are we, like 290 years old only now or something like that? <laughs> yeah, we're still in diapers. And then we have so many different people that have moved here. So it's like a melting pot. So there's different aspects of everything that has you know, been sprinkled in. So there's not really a set stone way of doing things or thinking about way of doing things. Well, there's certain facets of our culture that that do think there is a certain way to do things and try to exert that on a melting pot. And it's just not going to work out for them. Yeah. So, you know, they're going to have to either join the team or or, you know, phase themselves out. I don't know what else to say about them. So what did you do in the Navy? What was your job? So they'll shift you around. I was a surface warfare officer, so I'm I'm based on ships. I know that seems like an obvious statement, but there's many aspects of the Navy where there's green side and blue side. So green side is there. Those are people that actually never get underway, never go on a ship versus blue side, which tends to be more uh, seaborne. And I was the first tour. I was in operations. So I was in charge of um planning missile shots, uh, maintenance of, or not maintenance, but monitoring the, the guys that monitored the, the radars uh, just to make sure that the ship was always safely uh, traveling and weaponry, those kinds of things. And then driving the ship uh, was also one of my rotations as the officer of the deck. Then my second tour was in Japan and I was in charge of uh, engineering spaces and underway replenishments and oil and fuel and water and 
electricity and those kinds of things and making sure the captain always had a hot shower, uh, the, the priorities. Um, yeah. So they move us all around. How many people are on the ship at one given time? Oh, gosh. It depends on the size of the ship. My first ship, uh, we were the first women on frigates. Uh, what does actually. that mean? Frigates are a tiny, they're like, um, they're still considered uh, a, a fighter ship or it's not just a supply ship. Okay. So women have been on supply ships for a while, but this was the first uh, warship uh, and they started out on frigates and I was one of the first women on frigates. And so they had to change the the officer spaces so that um, we would have berthing for us. It was just one room, but it was fine. And then the bathrooms, they switched up it up as, as well. So frigates are small boys. So they're very fast and they do have some heavy weapons, but they are, they're, they're very t- tiny. I'd say what, 300 ish. It's been a while. And then my second tour was on an LSD, which is an amphibious ship. And we take weaponry and Marines and their equipment and we land them ashore, at least close enough to it. And we had 500 fully loaded with Marines, maybe more. Wow. Carriers, of of course, have carriers have cities on them. So. So like, what was the, what was the mood of like when you first became you and your other ladies that came with you on the ship for the first time, what was the people's mood? Like were the people like, man, what the fuck is going on? We're like supportive (laughs) or we're like, no, we don't want y'all or like, you know, I think that, uh, I think it's a mindset. I didn't, uh, I actually feel like, I don't know. I don't think it's ignorance. I think that I really genuinely got super lucky in, in having a mindset that didn't allow detractors right. to approach me. And if they did not to get their hooks in. So I've never felt limited in what I could do based on gender. I don't even think about it. I'm just me. I'm just Jean, girl, boy, whatever. I'm not, I'm not even talking the pronoun game. That's something separate. I'm saying I'm just me and I'm here to do a job. And uh, I left it at that. And I think that they felt that. I think that they, they fed off that and said, okay, well, razzing her is not, I got razzed, but all for the right reasons. Right. You know, when you're joking around, right. but never because I was uh, because of my gender. So I didn't even, I didn't even let that that phase me. And I also can't take it for granted that the women before me had it hard uh, and some still do, but they did the work. They did uh, the things necessary. They stood up for all these things so that it was very easy for me just to slide on in there and, and get the job done. So I, I, I thank the women prior to, but I, I didn't feel limited at all. To be honest, I know that some of my other uh, fellow female officers did have problems. I don't know how we were were different. I just remember one of my guys came up to me, one of my enlisted men came up to me and he said, ma'am, it seems like you have you have a bubble around you. I don't know why he said that or what what the context of that was, but I think that that's true. I just I didn't allow I, I, I was cordial and I was professional, but I didn't allow uh, personal space to be shared and, and kept it that way. And it kept me out of trouble completely. 
It's kind of in a very large fraternity, the largest fraternity on earth. It's kind of like they knew not to mess with you because you weren't going to take their shit. Yes, but in a nice way because I wasn't. I wasn't as like in. I've got a lot more chutzpah now than I did when I was. I you know I I just begin. I get stronger and stronger every year. But back then I was just this, you know, this kid, and I knew to keep the distance because what other option was there? I, I, I didn't want to play that game. That's, that's fire. And you're going to get burned doing that. So uh, the best thing I can do is be irreproachable when it comes to how was your conduct and did you, did you invite it in any way? And I know that's, I, I want to be careful and say that not, there are sometimes when you are irreproachable and you, you don't invite it and it still happens, but it wasn't the case for me. I was very lucky. Yeah, we need to be. Talking. I also didn't wear makeup. I, I I didn't wear makeup because I was like, I want to be as plain and unassuming and unapproachable as possible. I didn't want, you know what I mean. I didn't want that to be a factor. I'm not going to say I look like Gollum without makeup, but <laughs> I made a conscious effort not to, like, you know, yeah, soup things up to to be tempting. Yeah. Is that a common theme that most females do not doll up, I guess? Oh, no, there's a there's a whole spectrum. There are women that do doll up and, and I'm not judging them for it. I just thought this was my way to uh, make sure that I wasn't tempting in any way or. Uh, yeah, don't you think that's-, that's more of the problem for the men then? That you would have to feel that way. It might, it, you know, it is a two-way street, isn't it? But perception uh, can get you in trouble. So I thought if I'm irreproachable, if I kept it clean, um, they wouldn't do it. I will say this too. I, as an officer, it's, I'm in a unique situation where there's no dating with enlisted at all. And where officers are, what, 10% of the entire military? And females are a small percentage of that 10% for officers. So that makes us, I think that protects, that protected me a bunch too. Because I was just not an option. Mm. Unless you want a court-martial, you know. And it would be me being court-martialed, by the way, because I was the officer. I was the, the superior so, so how long did it take you to get to that level? Oh, as an officer? Yes. I, I, I well, we, I, if you have a college degree or there's other ways to, that I won't get into to, to have a commission, but once you go through officer uh, candidate school or, you know, graduate from the Naval Academy uh, or um, ROTC, those kinds of things, you have a commission. So I'm, I'm this new green unknowing <laughs> person that has been given a superior role by being called an officer to an enlisted person that has maybe been in 15, 20 years. Oh, wow. So I, so an, an ensign or a, a little, you know, second Lieutenant is higher ranked than the most senior enlisted person because they don't have a commission. Did you guys know that? No, no. I didn't know anything about this. So why? Well, how- but, but, there is, a, you, if you take that as, uh, 
you, 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 you have to respect their experience. That is like 20, 30 years of hardcore experience on the job. They know everything about the military, these enlisted folks. So you never, you, 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 you have to take that for, for, for what it is, because there are some young officers who just get out there and they're, they're going to come in they're going to change things and they know nothing. And uh, they really have a hard time of it. They get, or they, or they, they pick up that they're going to get schooled. And so, yeah, it's a really interesting dynamic. I was put in charge of all these, at the time it was all men. I only had one female uh, enlisted person my entire, my, you know, my five years in. So I was always in charge of all these men and most of them had, all of them had more experience than me <laughs> in, in the job. So. So now how come they couldn't like the enlisted people, like how you came in as an officer because you came from, um, you had a college degree when you came into the Navy, you know, how yeah. come they couldn't get promoted? How do you get to, how do you become from enlisted to officer? Like, how do you gain ranks in like, the okay, Navy? this is super cool. So, yeah. So there's one where you'll have a middle, middle-aged enlisted guy who has really had a, an exemplary record and he can apply to OCS. And that's a 13 week uh, pressure cooker. It's like officer and a gentleman, that movie, it's that, that program. And they will come out with a commission, free, free and clear. That is just a commission. They are now the lowest ranked officer, but still higher than what they were. Mm. Then there's something called um, warrant officers. And these, I think, I think warrant officers are some of the coolest humans on earth. So, but they kind of sit in the middle. I'll, I'll make this simple. They went and they got their college degree or um, they applied for their commission and they have so much experience in that they're called warrant officers and they are below regular officers, but above every single enlisted person. Okay. And they're called must, I, we call them Mustangs and they are the shit. <laughs> so I have, Huge respect uh, for for them because they're like somewhere in the middle. But all the all the all the knowledge, these folks are so so amazing. Hey, that's uh. So call go to college and then go join the service or the navy. And you'll be an officer right off the bat. That's the key. If that's what you want, yeah. I I know some uh, folks who really took pride in. They want to cut their teeth as enlisted. They want to learn it from the bottom up. And uh, those guys, those guys and gals, that's not gendered. Those folks make the best officers. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, 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 they put in the time. They, they, they earn the badge. And I, I really, I love that. So. It's like our buddy was telling us being in the infantry and the Marines Mm. is where it's at. He doesn't want to be anything else or, you know, that that's it. When they see, when the Marine, other Marines see the infantry guys coming, it's like a badge of honor already because they're all looking at him and stuff like that. He was telling us. That is absolutely true. Uh, and I'll tell you what, the Marines historically, as you, you probably know, always took the heaviest hits. They would go in and they're the ones who were dropping them off. And, you know, they're, they're, Normandy they're they're like landing on beaches and they're taking they're just getting mowed down and their job is to 
it's almost sacrificial in the sense. Yeah. But if if just a few of these guys could take that hill, it was all worth it. It's all glory. It's it's crazy, but it's all glory. Yeah, because when we had recorded, we yeah, when we had recorded the episode with our uh, buddy we met a couple uh, like two weeks ago, he was telling us how little the Marine Corps is, and I didn't know it wasn't a branch of the military. He told me he told us it was part of the Navy. I was like, I had no it idea. Is. And now I was like, man, that's so crazy to think that they don't have their own branch. He's like, there's only like two hundred thousand Marines, and it's like two million Navy or whatever or Army or whatever he said. Well, there's an old running joke. I had uh, I, every time I meet a Marine, I'm, <laughs> I was like, how's it, be, how's it feel to be part of the Department of the Navy? And then I remember <laughs> one of these Marines said, how's it feel to be our taxi drivers? Boom. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. All right. All right. You got me. You got me there. There, uh, I think without, you know, I am going to brag. I think the U.S. Navy is absolutely the supreme this this is where it's at. And then paired with the Army, because we do not have the number of ground troops that the Army does. That's their specialty. But the Navy is air, sea, undersea. Uh-huh. We're everything. And land because of the Marines. So we're air, land, sea, and undersea. No other branch does that. We have pilots landing on football fields in the middle of the ocean. Whenever there's a conflict, the president always says, where are my carriers? I mean, this is this is what it's about. And then to to maintain that, uh, the army comes in and they've got some amazing combat engineers and the chemical warfare and all that other jazz. So I think those are my two favorites, of course. So how did you go from the Navy to being a veterinarian? <laughs> Simple leap, you know. Uh, I always wanted to be a doctor, but I didn't know which one, believe it or not. Okay, my dream job was medical examiner. I want to be pathologist. And that would still be an amazing job, like, you know, speaking for the dead and and catching the bad guys uh, from the living or the clues that are left from a, a body that's no longer living. That was fascinating to me and still is. But I was like, oh, med school, though, and. I ended up stumbling upon veterinary school. I didn't know if euthanasia, where we put animals down, I didn't know if that was going to be, I always thought that that was going to be the thing that I wasn't going to be able to get past. So I didn't consider veterinary medicine seriously, even though in the back of my head, I was like, I think veterinary medicine would be good, a good fit. But I don't know if I can put an animal down. And now uh, I embrace that as one of the, best and worst things I do at the exact same time. What do you mean by that? So when medicine has reached the end of what it can do in terms of, of pain control and comfort and joy in a pet's life, I can grant mercy when we don't even sometimes do that for our own kind. Yeah. That's what what was it. Dr. Kevorkian got in trouble for that. Yes, he did. And uh, he's, you know, and now you can go to different parts of uh, the U.S. or you can go to different countries and, uh, you know, do what you need to do if things are going in a bad, bad way, but you can't get help. Um, but, yeah, it's it's a, the best and worst thing I do at the same time. I, I, the, the, to be able to grant mercy, even to my own pets, uh, I do my own pets as well. 
uh, is to, I think, yeah, I just take, I see it as an honor um, and being entrusted to do that. So, so after the military, I was like, well, I'm going to get a job at a vet hospital and as an assistant, start from the ground up and see if I like it. And I've never been paid so little, but loved a job so much. So long hours, I was going full time, but working overtime and uh, applied to vet school uh, three years after that. Cause I, I had, I went back and got a different degree. I wanted to do something in science. It'd been like 10 years since I got calculus. I'm like, I can't take the entrance exam being this, <laughs> being this long out of school. Cause I'd been in the Navy. And then I said, uh, well, okay, so let's get another degree, Bachelor of Science, and then apply. And I got in, and here I am. You're like a bright Forrest Gump. I mean, you lived <laughs> a fucking life. I mean, what haven't you done? Uh, I haven't jumped out of an airplane. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that's on the, your docket. She's like, I uh, she's I haven't like, danced around the rim of a volcano yet. Yeah. <laughs> You're like um, uh, Johnny Kim. Y'all know who that is? Uh, so he's he's this guy that's he. So by the age of thirty seven, he was an astronaut, a doctor, and um, a Navy SEAL. Johnny Sins. I do know no, that not, guy. Not Johnny Sins, Tony. Uh, I know Johnny Sins. <laughs> no, well. I totally know who you're talking about too. He had a he had a rough. Did he talk to uh, Jonko? Jonko. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think I saw that interview, and he a uh, badass guy. But uh, what a what a rough childhood that that he cut his teeth on. Um, I he, he isn't he part he's Kim right so he's part Korean as well. I think that's probably why I watched it. I'm half Korean. Yeah. And uh, yeah. I was just like, you know, can you imagine growing up being his friend growing up or whatever? And he's everyone's mom is like, why can't you be like Johnny? Why can't you be like Johnny? Look how smart he is or whatever. You know, like that was my life. I was a uh, I was all the yeah. Why can't you be like Jeannie? I was that kid. I know what that's like. Um, you don't let it get to your head, though. You just kind of do what you need to do. Uh, but yeah, the pressure to to perform academically was was definitely there for me as well. Are you an only child? Ish. You know how American families are now. Um, I was, uh, for all intents and purposes, an, an, an only child because I was the only one around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know, like, uh, I've had some Asian friends, and I guess that's, I don't know if that's stereotyping, but, like, they always say, like, their parents, especially if their parents are immigrants, they're really mm. big on, like, studying and uh, reaching a certain level, either going to be, like, a doctor or a lawyer or something, like, prestigious. Yes. Um, I, and I don't, I don't maybe think that's, that's not a bad thing, I, you know, but that might not be a bad thing, because they want the best a, for their kids. Yeah. I mean, you come here for your kids to have a better life than what you had where you were at. And so why would you not, why wouldn't you want them to do better? I think that it's not a bad thing. If that's something that that child also wants for themselves Mm -hmm. and there are, and I wanted that I did love that. And I thrived in that. Uh, So I was more than happy to deliver. However, I do defend those that, that had more of a, creative side to them there's a there's a brilliance to creativity too that i think is is discounted sometimes in culture the artist Mm -hmm. and uh you know what if what if yo-yo ma's parents had said you want to play the cello hell no you don't we're not going to have any virtuosos in our family 
you're going to do an engineering thing. Yeah. I mean, we wouldn't have Yo-Yo Ma. Come on. So there has to be, but you have to be really, really, really good at whatever it is that is outside being a doctor, a lawyer, or an engineer. I mean, believe it or not, at one time, I mean, that was my path, and I was really smart growing up. And I don't honestly like both my brothers are doctors, you know. So my parents came over from South Africa. Um, we they brought us for a better life, not for them, for but for us, right? And like both my brothers are doctors, and like you know that happened. And you know, I mean, it's not like my parents didn't pay for um, uh, tutoring for me and stuff like that, extra stuff. I just couldn't learn. I just couldn't learn, man. Like after a certain point. After high school, it was just really, I just couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. There's different ways of learning that I think we're starting to appreciate more that not everyone, like, we're so different, all of us, each person. And it boggles my mind that they think that this rote way of doing things is going to respond to every child. Uh, And so it's just, there are so many different things that need to be done or can be created in this world. And I think that people should find those niches as best they can while still being supported. Uh, but it's, it doesn't, it's not always this straightforward rote. This is your math science. This is what you're going to learn and you're going to get the degree. And if all, see, everybody has a college degree now, it seems like, so no, like you can't just have that now. Now you need a master's. Okay, well, that's not, and now everybody's getting a master's. Now you need a PhD. And so we, that's why you have all these people that have all these degrees and no job. Mm-hmm. Versus uh, like the gymnasium, the German system where they have the, where they, if you want to go to a trade school, and I know people that went to a trade school, bravo, because they're making six figures and they're electricians. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and they didn't, they don't, they don't have school loans. They didn't waste their time with that. And they knew that wasn't what they wanted to do. And they're living their best life right now. And, and so I feel like if we could just get people to accept more that not everyone has to have a college education, it's not useful to everyone. Nobody needs those loans if they're not going to use that degree. And where are you going to go with it? Cause everyone's competing for those jobs versus doing something that's going to put food on the table, but um, also, you know, stock the bank because there's some great jobs out there. I don't know. I just appreciate when people have self-awareness, but it's easier said than done. Well, I think the thing is, is like a lot of those, like you said, trade jobs are things that keep us alive, like a plumber. Like if we didn't have sanitation, Mm -hmm. uh, like if everybody was like shitting in the streets or, you know, not having where to wash their hands and all this other stuff, we'd be dead. hundred percent. And I am always, (laughs) I'm so thankful. And, you know, people will look down upon those jobs and I'm like, okay, when your toilet bursts at 2 a.m., I want to see how thankful you are that that person is going to come and save you. Yeah. Yeah. It's like when when, when you have no electricity, when there's there's just all those things you when you have trash piling up in your yard because there's no one to pick it up. Mm hmm. Okay. I don't so understand I think, like why we look down on the people for doing these kind of jobs. Like, oh, he's like he's just a plumber. Yeah, he just fixed your leaking toilet or whatever, you know, flooding. Oh, I'm a big fan of all I, I okay, so in different countries, there's actually a different mindset to example, Norway. So these folks that in America are looked down upon for their jobs, and they sh- shouldn't be, but they they 
for some reason, there's some stigma, and I think it's just stupid, uh, and I'm thankful for them. But in Norway, those folks, even to the people that are, are packing your bags, uh, packing your groceries in the in the grocery store, are paid a whole bunch more because every job is seen as valuable. Because if there was someone, there wasn't someone there to do whatever job there was, whether menial to you or not, it's not going to work. Our system's not going to work. And so they value people that work at all levels doing whatever it is they do because that's how society works. Yeah, I hate it when people say go get a real job or that's not a real job. Anything that takes your time, which is your life because you can't get your time back, is a real job. It, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. Uh, but, you know, I don't know if we're going to change their minds, but uh, certainly I'm, I'm glad you said that. Because yeah. I know, like, even like during the pandemic, we realized how important these people that are essential were. Like, if we didn't have the grocery store, the people working at the gas station and stuff like that, yes. like, what would we have done? The truck drivers, yeah. <laughs> the people delivering our, our, our supplies to us because we can't go anywhere else. Yeah. Um, I think, like I said, going back to the whole thing of like traveling and opening people's minds, I wish that was a thing that they had here in America. Like, like you know, I know I think it's like in Korea, uh, South Korea, you have to serve in the military for like two years or something like that. Like every every male does. There's like if, several countries that do that. Yes. But like if they had that for people just to travel, like everybody at a certain age has to go to a different country to see what it's like over there. Like, I think that would open up so many eyes to how important it is to to appreciate what we have and, you know, what other people go through that we don't have to go through on a daily basis. Like, just think about, like, water. Like, there's people that don't have clean water. Yes. I mean, there are incidences at places here like Flint, Michigan and stuff like that. But that's a small blip on the radar compared to how many words, 300 million of us in the United States. So. I think in theory for them to expose, get exposed to different countries would be, would be ideal, but I, there's a part of me and I know you'll feel it too. There's a part of you that cringes just a little bit at unleashing our young Americans (laughs) on other countries. Well, it's like when you go to Vegas, you can tell like people that don't live there, the way they dress and the way they act. So it would be the same thing probably if, if, well, I was just thinking how would Kim K deal with the untouchables in India. Mm. You know, I just, I don't know. I I don't know. I think um, like going back to how young we are and how, you know, I don't know. I think people are influenced and maybe there needs to be better role models that people have. Oh, here, Um, here. I think that's hitting the nail on the head. Yeah. Yeah. But I also think that, uh, I don't know. I I feel like you can become your own role model mm. if you live the life that you 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 challenge yourself to make yourself your own hero. And I do believe in that because sometimes you're all you've got. Yeah. And I speak from experience. I sometimes this is this is it. And so you either crumble or you you build a skyscraper from it. And I've decided to build skyscrapers and not, not wallow in my self pity. Yeah. I guess it's like, do you want to be the protagonist or antagonist in your story? 
Absolutely. And sometimes you're your own <laughs> villain. Uh, I think that's the case for a lot of people is that they are their own villain. Yeah. Which is unfortunate, but um, yeah, if you, I think it's worth it to do the work, uh, the internal work uh, in order to, you know what I say all the time. And cause every once in a while I'll be like, you know, I'm dieting down for sure. Or something like, Oh man, I am hungry. And I'm like, but I can't bitch about something that I'm choosing to do. Mm. So if there are things that you can control, things that you can change in your life, then, and you're, and you're bitching about them, change them, stop complaining, use that energy to make the changes necessary so that you don't have something to bitch about. And if there are things that you cannot change, then you do have to accept them and move on. I saw something the other day, this guy said, uh, when he was in his 20s and poor and broke, he wished that he was a millionaire. Then when he was in his 30s, he wished that he was 20, poor and broke. <laughs> yeah. So it's like you always are trying to chase something. And then when you get it, it's like, is this really what makes me happy? Sure. But yeah. you don't know till you get there. So it's worth the journey getting there. And then if you get there and you go, no, this is a dead end. Well, where's where's your where where to next? Yeah, keep moving, and I think it's okay that you travel down and you find out that something's a dead end. I do. I think that's that's part of life, and I think that's probably one of the best parts of life is going. Well, this isn't for me, so now I've done it. Got the T-shirt. Let's go this direction, and then those journeys, those little turns here and there, are what make an interesting life. I never thought I'd end up here, and I don't know where I'm going to be in ten years. So. Uh, yeah, I feel like that's the excitement of life. So how important is failure and trial and error to you? Absolutely learned more from my failures than ever from my victories. Yeah. 100%. Because it's easy to go, wow, I did that. That's great. Okay, what's what do I do now? Versus failure. Oh, that bitter pill that makes you say, I don't like the way this feels. Well, how can I change it? What can I do to get better? Uh, that's what drives me. And I think that part of it was how I was raised too, is that I don't respond to the, I know this is going to come out bad, but I, I'm not, I don't respond well to the positives. I don't respond to the, uh, oh, you did so good. You're so smart. You did this. I respond to the, you know, this wasn't very good and you could have done this better. I know it's an A, it's an A minus. Well, we're, I remember my mom saying, what is this little slash here? I was like, it's a minus. And I had gotten an A minus. And she was like, so what does that mean? I'm like, well, it's not a, a, a full A. It's not, she's like, that's not an A plus. I was like, no, it's not. I always responded better to the, why didn't you do this better? Kind of taking, I, and, and I do, I'm a happy person and I do take satisfaction in things-ish. Because I do enjoy the journey. However, I'm always looking to improve. I have a fire. I think everyone should have this fire to get better. Just be the best person you can be. Uh, because if not, what's the point? So do you feel like, uh, do you thrive off when someone, te someone tells you you can't do something? Yes. Or it can't be done? Absolutely. I think, was it Nelson Mandela says, it always seems impossible until it's done. Yeah something like that. And I was like, yeah, all right. And of course, from him, it's really, really amazing. But yeah, 
Yeah, we have a friend. That's what Damian, drives me. Our friend Damian Ryder, he always says whenever he said anytime anybody says it can't be done, he's like, Well, it's not yeah. impossible until it's been tried. That's right. Now there are certain physical limitations. I'm a realistic person. Mm-hmm. So um going to the Olympics and gymnastics at and I'm coming up on 47, um, that's not gonna happen. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. You could be like a towel uh, girl. I could totally be that towel girl. I'll, like, I'll get the <laughs> rosin, the little rosin, the white powder yeah. for their grip. You know, I'll, I'll cheer them on. You'd be the Rudy. You know? <laughs> yeah. That's right. I'll go grab a replacement scrunchie. I'm I'm all about that, but uh, I'm not really, I'm not really, that's not going to happen. But, uh, you know, there's other goals I can set that I go, yeah, I'm going to do that. So, mm-hmm. and that's exciting. So yourself now, going back 20 years, do they think they'd be in the position they're at right now? Hmm. Never happened. Uh, not in a million years. And um, it's been a process, as I think everyone would say, right? So I was a dumb kid. I didn't know how to handle things. I didn't know how to, sh- to handle stress. I had anxiety. I still have anxiety, but now I know how to manage it. I do it through exercise best pill in the world. I mean, I'm, uh, it's, it's, I'm very thankful for all of my mistakes and all of my successes that led me to this one moment. As cheesy as it sounds, it's kind of like, it's a wonderful life. Like if you change one little moment, one little decision, the rest of your entire life would be different. Yeah. And so I love where I'm at now and I accept all of my decisions, all of my regrets. I mean, I don't have regrets because of that. I, I accept all of them. It's It's got to be that way in order for me to be here talking to you guys. Yeah. So circling back to being a veterinarian, how do you, what, what all animals can you service? Like, how does that work? Is there different levels of veterinarian? Like that work at the zoo and do it with lions and tigers and stuff like that. And then go to dogs and cats or frogs. This I mean, is like, sure. This is fun. When you, when you graduate veterinary school, you are licensed to practice on every single species other than human. Wow. Hmm. That's what our license is. That's our degree. Now, in addition to that, we do help humans because we have to know zoonoses. So I need to know which diseases from which animals can pass to humans. Mm. So that when someone comes in and they're like, yeah, my kids had diarrhea too. Well, your pet puppy has roundworms, so you need to go to your MD ASAP, right? You need to go to your um, pediatrician. So we need, so we do need to know the zoonoses too and what travels to humans in order to protect our own species. However, uh, I it, there's many different veterinarians, and you can find little niches here. There's some veterinarians that never touch animals after they graduate vet school. By choice, uh, that's just they. There's lots of jobs in veterinary medicine that have nothing to do with that. Uh, whether it be research, uh, research and food, or food inspection and public health, where they kind of mainly look at zoonoses and things like that. Uh, there's companion animal. There's large animal. There's food and fiber combinations. There's zoo animals. There's small exotics. We have every specialty that. You, Every veterinarian is kind of like every human specialist you can think of, but just to a lesser degree, because we I just do so much of 
I'm a dentist. I'm a farm. I'm a pharmacist. I'm a radiologist. I'm a psychologist, psychiatrist. Sometimes I'm a surgeon. Uh, internal medicine, everything you can think of, pediatrician, neonate, um, all of those things, OBGYN. Uh, that's all. Yeah. Wow. That's what it's, it's a, it's really a cool job. I do mostly companion animals. So I'll see cats, dogs, pocket pets. So like hamsters, chinchillas, I'll see some reptiles. Just got done taking care of a snake recently for a friend actually who had had some scale rot and it's doing great now she's doing but um yeah i tarantulas i don't see a lot of those anymore but i I used to see some of them more than when i was in missouri so like somebody comes in with a tarantula what are you going to do like what's the like what's the first treatment how do they say like my tarantula is acting weird today let me bring it to my yeah i know i know you have to dig deeper okay the first thing i would do because it's been like at least a decade, I need to go grab a book. <laughs> so I'd probably have to freshen it up. We always have to, we should always be freshening things up. There's no way that I can remember all of those things, but I'll get in the ballpark. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, I probably would not see them because I, I think that there are, there I can find someone who is better able to do that because they've done it more recently and they do it more frequently. So uh, if you aren't able to give the proper care, but you know someone who's close that can do that, and what's but, the lifespan of a tarantula? Um, I don't know. Three, five years? Like, I wouldn't even think of a tarantula coming in. Like, that's so... Yeah, I would I, w- I would only think about, like... It was once, and I don't even know if... I never saw that person again. I don't even know if the guy, the, the, the little guy, uh, oh. lived. But oh, a Goliath bird eater, I just Googled, 15 to 25 years. Hmm. Wow. So I'm like, kind of think like, I always, do they, what do they eat? What, tarantulas? Yeah. Spiders. Bugs. They yeah. eat their bugs. Oh. Spiders. <laughs> Good. You get a tarantula in there so eat a bug up. So, do you have any type of phobia of certain animals and they come in, you're like, oh, I don't want to touch that? Or you have to just no. deal with everything? I, veterinarians are the least, I think, the least squeamish people you'll ever meet. So, if somebody came in with a rat, you're like, oh, just give me the rat. I've had a rat as oh. a pet too, so yeah, no, doesn't bother me at all. Mice, I know all of that. Wow, yeah, I'm taking, I rescued a hamster recently. Her name's Furiosa. You're, you see, you um, fostered a hamster? No, I'm, I rescued. Oh, you I rescued? Adopted oh, okay. her. Yeah. She's she's a pistol, but um, yeah, no, we're not squeamish at all. I mean, I know that some vets are just like, I'm not going to see whatever, fill in the blank, but. Yeah. None of us are squeamish per se, because we knew what we were getting into. Mm. Like if you, if you see a snake and you don't feel comfortable picking it up, I think that's a little weird. Yeah. You don't necessarily have to go. I like this, but you should be able. You know, know, it's funny how like we, as people demonize certain things, but the other things in the same category kind of that we think are fine. Like if you see a squirrel, you don't think anything about a squirrel, but if you see a rat, you're like, that's gross. That's that's gross. That's the rodent. Yeah. Well, uh, I don't because I I see them all as I think they're all cute. Of yeah. course, you expect to say that, but I really believe that. <laughs> I think they're all cute. I love rodents. I do. So, so do vets like at the zoo? Do they have to? I guess they would have to. Well, so like as as far as like a lion and tiger goes, like how do they know like how much anesthesia to give them? 
to put them under? Oh, like, how tough is big, that? No, that's a, that's a great question. We have uh, we have formularies. It's just like uh, so. It's mix per kg of whatever drug, and we know about what it takes, give or you, you know, based on on the health status of the pet itself mm-hmm. or the animal. Excuse me, the animal itself, and then you can dose it based on their body weight. We we have those already worked out. Because that would be really fucking scary to be working on like a, a gorilla or oh, like God. something and it fucking woke up. Yeah, we have gas anesthesia too. So once you get them tranquilized, and then it's just a matter of keeping them uh, at a good sedation level. Uh-huh. So because uh, we intubate just like we would a human and they can get gas anesthesia. If they're not able to get intubated, uh, we can use a mask as well. So because we don't like intubate like mice. We, yeah, I don't. I don't know, but we, we mask them and uh, are able to keep them at a good plane of anesthesia so that we can do what we need to do. And they're not in discomfort, but they're also not moving when they wake up. How confused are they? It very, it varies. It depends on what you use. So there's lots of different cocktails as we have some dogs and cats, uh, you know, we do, uh, use propofol, uh, for the, the procedures that are going to be super quick but we just want them completely out and mobilized. And then we want them just to wake up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's really mellow. That's just like in humans when they're getting a what colonoscopy, they'll do propofol and then they're just awake okay. and everything's fine. Uh, but then there are other ones that it depends on how fat they are, how old they are, how young they are, how they metabolize the drugs. And then they uh, sometimes they'll be woozy or slower to come out of it because of that. But if you get it, I'm pretty good at getting it titrated just right so that my, I, I do pre-meds first. And that gets them in a good plane of just like mellow. We are able to get the catheter in and then we induce with something like propofol. And then we maintain them on gas anesthesia. And so we keep them as light as we can in terms of not, not using too much gas anesthesia because that's the one that will kill you, right, in mm-hmm. people too. And then once they're off the gas anesthesia, the propofol is already gone. And then, so it's just whatever the pre-meds that you gave. And I feel like that's where, that's where the the good stuff is. Cause that's, that's the one you want to nail. You want to get the right amount of pre-medication and then you can use less gas anesthesia as a result. So it's not ama- to nerd out, but that's how it works. It's amazing when you talk about stuff like that, like you're a professional at something, but it came from somebody that was a novice at it in the beginning. Oh, we all start out novices. Yeah, it's like the original person that was a doctor just started like pulling people's teeth out or, you know, cutting people up. And then now we have professionals. And it's just amazing how we can evolve to what you are now. I, I love what I do. I love that I'm able to do it and entrusted to do it. I feel like I'm pretty good at it. And you, I want to get better uh, because every time you can get better, uh, you're just doing better medicine. I think that's really exciting too. You know, the difference between veterinarians and MDs too, and I got to get this in. (laughs) We still place catheters. We don't have to. I've got nurses that do it, but I would never trust an MD to put my catheter in. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I can, I can get blood from a kitten. I can, you know, get blood from a tiny little rat. Uh, I can put a catheter in. I can the, the the kind of basic things that that you take for granted. Veterinary medicine is very much hands on, and I'm a very tactile person. And so, uh, being able to do 
something that engages my mind and my hands and or even my body's busy trying to you know restrain or do whatever or, or reach something uh it's it's a completely whole body engaging career and i wouldn't have it any other way it's really a cool job really cool so going back yeah. to euthanizing animals um, oh yeah yeah so Obviously, it's harder for the person to want to put their animal down. I think some people probably let their animals go on suffering a little bit too long. Mm. Um, but I, is that I'm assuming it's because death is for the living. So, like, we're the ones that have to keep on after someone's gone or some like our animals gone. So that's why you want to keep on you keep them here as long as possible. Yes. So how do you sit someone down and be like, hey, your animal is it's suffering and it needs to be let go? I've gotten very good at this because sometimes I feel like I need to be the advocate in a time when the human, the owner has lost perspective in how much pain or how much suffering is actually going on because I understand the disease process probably better than they do. Mm -hmm. So to be the advocate is, I think, extremely important. So I've gotten good at it. And it, it's, it has to be tailored to each individual person. I can read the room. I'm a very good judge of character and, and I can feel out what people are thinking before they've even said it and why they're, they're hesitating, those kinds of things. I can, I can read that off a person, um, but I've always been able to do that. So this is where I really excel, I feel like, because sometimes you just have to be blunt. Other times they have to be led gradually with kid gloves. Sometimes uh, you have to tell them it's not time. And that's actually the hardest for me is when someone is like, it's time. I'm like, it's not uh, because they haven't even tried. So are they just uh, they're just over it and they just want to be done with the animal? It's it's a convenience euthanasia. Those do happen, believe it or not. And I'll tell you a story. Uh, when I was first I'm a young vet, first out of school and this gets but I'm, I'm, I learned from it. This this gentleman comes in with a cat and the cat's urinating everywhere. You know, sometimes cats just, it's just something they sometimes do. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're putting this cat down. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm not, we're this, we're, well, let's discuss this. You're putting her, I'm not talking about it. You're putting him down. And I said, I, I think we should run a urinalysis. What if this cat has a urinary tract infection? I'm thinking, what if it has crystals? What if it has the behavioral problem and it can be given fluoxetine and feel better? Uh, What if it's being stressed out by the brand new puppy that keeps jumping all over it and chasing it around the house? Many different things that needed to be asked, many different things that potentially could have been tested just to screen, right? No, we're putting this cat down. And I was like, well, I'm not. Well, I'm going to take this cat home and I'm going to shoot it. And I said, that's your decision, but I'm not going to be a part of it. And so he calls Jesus. my boss. And is this the fucking Tiger King? My, it's just this, this cat. It's just this cat. My boss comes in because he's like, I want to talk to your boss. I'm like, okay, I'll go get him. And he he stood up for me in the sense that he said, she and I have to sleep at night. And, you know, there are things we can test. He basically said what I did. We, there are things we can test just to make sure that this isn't an easy fix. Uh, but I don't automatically put an animal down just because it's inconvenient for you to have him. Or you could, you know what you could even do? Rehome him. Yeah. Find someone else who wants a cat, maybe a barn cat. 
then it wouldn't matter whether he was outside peeing everywhere because that's what they do. So there are many different options and it it just really escalated. But I held my, I held my position because I'm like, so at the end of the day, I just remember what my boss told him. He's like, we have to sleep at night. And so I have, I'd probably say on seven ish different, seven different occasions, I have said, no, I will not do this. Uh, You may find someone who can or will do it, but it won't be me for the reasons stated. And that's how it goes. But those are harder than the ones where you're like, this has to happen because this animal's suffering. So thought I'd throw a wrench in it. <laughs> it's the ones when I, that I don't do that are harder. So how come when some, like say when somebody jumps over the railing at the zoo, like to get in with the gorilla or something, uh-huh. why do they always put the gorilla down after the gorilla is just defending its people? It's, it's pride or whatever it's called. No one understands this. I'm just like, I, I, don't know whether they think that uh, I don't know the people that are deciding to put the animal down believe that or there's a city ordinance that if an animal has harmed a human being because uh, so we have it in place that if a dog bites it depends on which city you're into but if a dog bites or attacks someone either there's a 10 day where you pay for a quarantine daily or you euthanize the animal and we have to submit its head for rabies testing, or there's just very specific things that have to happen, even if it's just a dog attack. So in terms of exotic animal, I'm not, I don't know the specifics of it, uh, but I do think that it is unfortunate because of some dumbass people. Yeah. It's like the, it's not like the, the gorilla jumped over where it was living in, you know, the person went and dug that TikTok challenge or something, you know, like I just don't get that at all. And keep in mind, you, you tranquilized this animal and brought it here to be captive. Yeah. And then you're allowing some idiots to enter that space, which they think is theirs. They're wild animals. You're not going to reason with them. You're not going to go, hey, I just thought I'd come up a little bit closer because I wanted to see, you know, I wanted to see you fling poo closer. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. We need Trump just, to run the zoos. He'll build better walls. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but like, you know, also like with the circus, like what is that famous circus? Ringling Brothers? Like they don't have Barney elephants. Bale. Oh, yeah, that's it. They don't have um, uh, elephants and stuff anymore. They just have like, it's like digital, like it's like. LEDs or something like that now, like holograms. Well, that's probably very inhumane to have animals walking around a fucking circle to entertain us. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think maybe zoos will start disappearing. Well, I think some things with zoos is that they do need to have some animals in captivity because we as people are destroying them and they need to be saved. That's some of the parts of what zoos are for. It's so tough. That is so tough. So I don't, I know veterinarians who are like me and that is we we i can't go to a zoo it's too hard i don't um i see the animals pacing and i i i understand that it 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 potentially is a necessary evil because this may be the only ones we have Mm -hmm. but at the same time if it's the only ones we have and they can't survive uh, what kind of life is that though and uh i circuses i've never i i hate circuses that had animals i did because i knew how horrible their lives were uh in terms of even how they're fed uh, rancid meat awful the just just bad stuff that and then they they don't they get to walk around in the ring that's their like wreck hour 
like in a prison, like they get the yard time because they're actually kept in these very tiny cages and fed rancid rancid meat. I just can't. Well, I guess you just gave a good example, though, because like the way we treat humans is the way we treat certain animals. I would, without getting too political, the some of the actions of the people had choices. No, I get that, but I'm saying though, we I don't think putting somebody in a cage is oh. the proper way to rehabil- rehabilitate them because most people come out worse than when they went in. I wouldn't dispute that. Yeah, but I think the thing too with uh with animals though, it's like I remember this guy once said he's like he he saw this person with a dog and he's like, does your dog bite? And the owner's like, no, it doesn't bite. And he's like, does the dog know that? And it's just like sometimes an animal is being an animal. Like when people get attacked by sharks in the ocean, it's like you went into their home. What do you expect to happen? Right. Exactly. You come into my environment. <laughs> I'm going to do what's natural to me. You, you know, yeah. But I think that's a, it's just human nature. We always want to conquer and we want to take over and we think everything is below us. And it's just like, you know, you got to live. They've been around a lot longer than we have. But we act like we're the we're the king shit because we have weapons and stuff like that that keeps us alive. If we didn't have weapons and guns and stuff like that, we would be decimated by most animals. That's it's absolutely true. We don't have we have zero defenses. <laughs> I mean, a, a monkey is so fucking strong compared to a human. I mean, like they talk about like chimpanzees like ripping people's limbs and shit off. It's just like we can't do that without a weapon. Well, it's like that thing we have in here. That skull is that an elk, yeah. Tony? A moose. A moose. Like, you know, remember how tall you we were talking about big and how tall and fast they are? Yeah. If that thing charges you, you, you're over with. It's not like you're going to beat it up. But yeah, it's just, uh, it's crazy. I mean, humans, humans are a wonderful, but at the same time, there's a small pocket of us that are, are foul people. And we're, we're harming the earth uh, at a fast rate. So if we felt like we needed to dominate, we're doing a heck of a good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. So how did you transition to fitness? Oh, so I was, I was chubby most of my life uh, up to a certain point. And uh, even after OCS, after officer candidate school, I'm actually kind of a chubby or fluffy, thick girl in the Navy, mm-hmm. slightly thick. And uh, some of my people, the people on my ship, they wanted to get a group together, five of us. And we were going to do the Camp Pendleton mud run some year and i was like oh my god it's like 10k i've never even ran three miles let alone <laughs> i was like how am i gonna get my fat ass to run that far and so i said hey oh, one of my friends i said hey can you show me how to lift weights because by then i was like i'm meant to be chubby this is my body this is how it was meant to be uh accept it because i've tried everything and then my friend showed me how to lift weights and i dropped 30 pounds just from lifting weights just from lifting weights. And I was like, oh, okay, I take that back. This is how it was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Now, not supposed to be chubby the whole time. Um, and uh, yeah, I dropped 30 pounds. And from then on, it was like an addiction. So I was actually doing some distance running at that time. I ran two full marathons. I was a big runner and I'm not built to be a runner. And it wasn't pretty and I wasn't necessarily fast, but I was doing a lot of distance running because I enjoyed it. And and then I started getting into bodybuilding when I was in uh, vet school 
because someone, uh, my friend Lisa and my other friend Dewey, two separate people had said uh, in 2008, I remember this, they both said, have you ever thought about doing a show? And I'm like, no, come on. That's silly. Cause I'm so, I was so shy. And then nine months later, up, up, up on a stage in a little suit and that was history. So, yeah. Who were some of your role models or people you looked up to in the fitness world? So uh, I've always loved Ronnie Coleman. Who doesn't love big Ron? I to this day, as broken as that man is, I love uh, Ronnie Coleman. Uh, I loved Flex Wheeler because he has pretty much some of the most perfect aesthetic. And he's one of the best men to never win an Olympia. Mm-hmm. And so I love him as well. And then uh, current uh, Alina Popa had one of the best physiques ever. And then Iris Kyle is just a super nice lady. I mean, all the best right there. And then I love uh, Flex Lewis as well, the the Welsh dragon. And yeah, and then Arnold, of course. And then because I had, I used to be bottom heavy. So I had really big legs, but I didn't have much upper body at the time. And so, um, oh, I'm embarrassed. I forgot his name, but he had huge legs. Steve Platts. Platts. So he has some of the best legs ever to exist on a human being. Uh, and so those were my role models. What was the lowest you ever got down to as far as body percent or body fat? Probably around, you know, I, I did it through DEXA scan. So I think probably uh, 7%. Wow. And okay. how, how much torture was that? At the top, it, it gets easier. Um, like last lean out was a little bit easier than this one, but it still hasn't been nece- It's not really as miserable as everyone thinks it is, but I do it in a unique way. But do you love so, misery though? It's not miserable. I'm <laughs> telling you. It doesn't sound like it's fun. She's like, mean, it's not that bad. Cause when I've heard, I mean, obviously you know more than I do, but I've heard you like it's the closest you are to death. The week, the peak week is, is miserable. Yeah. Peak week is, is terrible. It's the week leading up to where you're shifting carbs and sodium and water that's miserable it's it's that that so i don't look forward to the week before the show mm-hmm. however because i do things in such a unique way uh i don't feel like it's miserable to lean out at all and i know everyone's like blasphemer but it's it's true i do intermittent fasting which is apparently no one's supposed to do that in bodybuilding so that eight 20 meals a day whatever i just don't do that anymore because uh, I found that intermittent fasting works better for me and that's how I lean out. So if I just stop eating at a certain point of the day, but I've, I've gotten all the nutrition and I in that I need to in that window of time, mm-hmm. good, I will lean out. And then I just add a little bit of cardio. I'm not even doing the hour before and an hour after work kind of thing that misery that people are doing. Um, I do like 30 minutes of really low impact. I just sit on a bike. Before I do some lifting, I eat within a five-hour window, and then I'm done. That's all I do. So can you tell people like that think cardio is king, that it really isn't, that weights are more important? Oh, weights are hella more important, especially as you age. Yeah. So the, each year that you don't weight train and you lose more muscle, you've lost metabolism. So it gets harder and harder to maintain a lower body fat. You'll just gain each year. Okay. And then cardio does not, uh, it burns calories in the short term, but 
it's it's like a it's a bad cycle to get into. If you're just doing cardio, you're also eating up muscle because cardio doesn't build muscle. Mm-hmm. It just eats it if you don't have the proper nutrition in place. So you, you you keep losing muscle because of age and overdoing cardio. And then you wonder why you've got diabetes at 50. Yeah. So it, it's it, cardio is is a part of the lean out process and certainly important for basic cardio health. But it is not king. Now, do you think that this should be taught in school? Like, like they always say, like, we don't learn about taxes. We don't learn about like a checking account, bank account, all this stuff. That's really important once you're an adult, like as far as like physical health, um, outside of like PE, cause most PE is bullshit. It's just like dodgeball and all that stuff like that. So they should teach kids what c- calories are, like what a serving is, you know? And like when you're younger, you can obviously probably do a little bit, eat a little bit more and you burn it off with your metabolism. But as you age, like, I don't know, I don't know if a lot of people know that. You mean like a real health class, like real education? I mean, just, like bullshit just that we life like skills. Yeah. So uh, that's a two. I think that's a tricky question. I'll tell you why. Yes, I think that we could teach a lot more things other than square dancing during mm-hmm. gymnasium time, which is retarded. But um, the I think that it's difficult to for people to decide what is the best way to eat. There's, I don't think there's just one. And so you can't, I, I don't even agree with the food pyramid. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it, when you're, you're starting out at where this is what the basis is, the federal government says, this is what we should be teaching and promulgating through uh, health services and schools that this is, this is how we're supposed to eat. And I don't even agree with that basic thing because I know what works for me. And I'll tell you this too, every diet works on some level, if you follow it. Well, it's like they say everything will work as long as you're in a calorie deficit. There's so many people that are like, oh, I need to be keto. I need to be paleo. I need to be blah, blah, whatever it is. And it's just like any of those things. You just have to stick to it. And, and it's just those little exceptions that you make. Oh, I'll start tomorrow. This isn't a big deal. This is only one bite. Yeah. Those are the things that, that break you from whatever thing you're doing and make it not work. Because you, you those things add up. Mm. So if there's no agreements there, I just don't know how you would realistically teach it other than the super basic stuff of high processed is going to land you in insulinville. You're going to get diabetes from these things. And I think that those things are, are not negotiable. I think that, that we know what causes this. Um, so those things I think should be taught basic Avoid these high processed, don't smoke, drinking in moderation, if at all, those kinds of things, or accept the consequences because, uh, you know, you're going to become a health burden. You're going to become a burden on our healthcare system and everyone else who's doing the right thing is going to have to pay for you. Yeah. It's like our friend motivational marks the other day. It's like during the pandemic, I think our government missed a spot where they could have pushed health on people a little bit more instead of, <laughs> instead of, you know, the vaccine and stuff like that. There could have been other things, not saying the vaccine's wrong, but just saying there are other things that people could have been doing to help them out. Cause they said a lot of more, uh, morbidly obese or obese people were the ones that were hit the hardest with mm. the virus. And it's just like, if they would have been a little bit healthier, maybe they wouldn't have been so sick. Maybe that's why you haven't gotten it, Tony. Well, I, I may have gotten it, but I just, 
Don't know. Been I'm saying like you're always pretty know. good, very good shape. Yeah. So I don't know. I just think that it's sad because like my dad's side of the family is like really, really big. My dad's not, but like his sisters and brothers are. And mm-hmm. even my grandfather and grandmother were. Um, but it's just like, you know, you just got to be healthier, man. It's like people always complain about how expensive like groceries are, or, like, you know, healthy food. But it's like, do you want to pay that for and cancer treatment or, you know, like you said, diabetes or health, like heart, uh, was it, um, what am I trying to high blood pressure and stuff like that pills, you know, you're going to, you're going to have a trade off one way or the other. You know what I think though, that I think that we can talk about telling everybody knows what's better to eat. They know that steamed broccoli and chicken, lean chicken is better than a Twinkie and pizza. They know this. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've beaten them over the head with it. It's everywhere. So I don't think the problem is necessarily what people are putting in their face. I think it's this decision they make to do so because I think that it's more of a mental health issue. No, I can see that. But I also think, too, there are like places where there are food deserts where people (laughs) only have access to (laughs) shitty stuff. Yeah. I feel like, though, that I could go to that that desert because I know how to feed myself. So having that knowledge does help mm-hmm. but i also don't feel the necessity to eat my pain yeah i think americans do we eat our pain there's like there's a, a little a mental block that that says i fuck it i'm just gonna eat this i i hate my life and it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy i'm gonna eat this i'm gonna eat shit and i'm gonna look like shit yeah so there's a conscious decision there like we've given up yeah, because never... oh i'm sorry go ahead no, no, that's just I just feel like there's 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 a mental component that can't be ignored because people know what to put in their face. They just choose the other. Yeah. Since and we, I don't know. Since we've been doing this, we've talked to a couple of people that have been on the completely opposite side of you where they're six hundred five, six hundred pounds or what have you. And then they've lost weight. Um, sometimes they gain it back. But I think you're right. As far as like that goes, there is something in the mentality of why do you want to be not why why are you not want to be why are you this way um because i think some people i don't i don't think anybody wants to be morbidly obese and it takes a lot of work to get that big like it's not just eating like one or two meals it's you're consuming a lot of calories to be five six hundred pounds well i don't know if it it could be that okay. I know this is going to sound strange, but I've I've studied a bit on the eating disorders, both over and under eating, mm-hmm. and it, there seems to be the common theme of people who don't believe that they're worthy mm-hmm. uh, of of anything other than, and so it's very self destructive behavior. I'm not a professional on this, so a disclaimer there, but that they 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 do these things to kind of um, basically shoot themselves in the foot. Also, though, they can control it. I can control that I'm going to eat all 10 pizzas that were delivered, or I'm going to eat nothing for three days. There's a control element there that they don't have extended into their life. They don't have control over other things in their life. But the one thing they have control over is that moment that they're putting something in their mouth or choosing not to. And that's the common thread I saw with both over and under eating. Now, do you think that that mindset can be shifted 
Do you like therapy? I do. I, I do. For, for, for there, I think there are some that, that still cannot. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that there are people that slip through the cracks because they do. Uh, they die. Mm-hmm. Um, actually. Uh, they pass away. But uh, I, I have to believe that, that these folks can, can be treated. Yes. I, I think that I, I remember hearing that 90, I don't know if this is a good number now, but a large majority of people that have mental disorders can be medicated and live a better quality of life than they had without the treatment. Mm-hmm. But there's still going to be people that slip through the cracks and cannot be helped. And that's just facts. And I think that's the weird thing about like food addiction compared to other addictions is like, obviously drugs and alcohol, you can try to abstain from that, but the food, I don't, I don't know how those people, I, obviously it's a, a constant battle and something they have to constantly work at to mm-hmm. overcome that. And obviously it's easier said than done. I mean, uh, I, I've never been in that position where I've been, you know, morbidly obese, but like I said, I just know that. Just seeing and listening to these people, I don't think that anybody chooses that. And like you said, it, it obviously is a mental thing. And it's I don't like, think they choose it directly because they 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 just can't they can't help themselves because they're being driven by a voice inside that says this is what I need to do in order to feel more control or to feel good or feel an endorphin release or whatever they're chasing. They're chasing a dragon. It's just not heroin. It's just not opium. It's not, not this or that it's, it's something else, but I think it's just as valid of an addiction. And, uh, but I think a lot of times people will say that the eating disorders, both over and under are flippant or they're not important. I'm like, these are real things that are killing people. Yeah. And it's, and you think that they're just, uh, I, I think that that allows them to dismiss these people that are, are 600 pounds as you just, you know, you're just dis- to discard these people mm-hmm. when really um, they're, they're human beings underneath there uh, at the heart of them. And they're, they, they're screaming for help. And they're actually their own billboard that says, I want help. Yeah. Look at me. And mm-hmm. and so, yeah, I just feel for them. It's amazing what the human body can do because you can look like you, which is like peak physical, you know, and then you can look oh. at somebody that's like five, six hundred pounds and it's like. The body can do that also. And it's insane. I'm amazed at the size. I, I like I've seen um do you remember have you guys seen the movie uh was it Nocturnal Animals? Uh-uh. At the beginning of Nocturnal Animals, I believe that's what it's called, Tom Ford's movie. There's these women that are very um very, very heavy. Mm-hmm. But they're wearing like these, they're some are naked and some are in swimsuits and they're like twirling around with sparklers. Anyway, it's just the beginning of the movie, it's kind of weird. And doesn't seem to fit, but I just remember thinking their bodies are so, it seems not human because mm-hmm. the shape is so abnormal to me because I can't, I don't understand why there's not a waist there. I don't understand why there's a pooch here and there and the dimpling and it didn't, it's fascinating to me. Um, so yeah, but there's, it's, it's fascinating that human bodies can get to the sizes that they do. But I think I, I really like seeing when they are able to transform it, not because they give a damn what other people think about how they look, but because they want to live another year. So That's how, the, how do you feel that. about like the whole like Lizzo culture where they think like it's body positivity and everybody can be bigger and stuff like that? Ooh, that's tricky. Okay. 
So I think that I don't want to glamorize. I think being comfortable in your skin Mm -hmm. is important at whatever size you're at. I believe that. I think that as long as you are actually healthy, that you're not heading towards, I keep saying diabetes, but that or cardiac or, or all these other uh, disease processes, if you're not heading that way and you are absolutely, but we know what body is going to be healthy. So I don't know if that's a myth in their head that they're like, I'm healthy. I'm living my best life. But are you? Are you, are you, do you just not see that you're on the, the, this downward slope uh, to, to tragedy? So I don't think that uh, glamorizing a poor health physique is doing anyone any good because we're already too big. Absolutely. Do you so, think you can make anybody have abs? Yes, but are they going to enjoy it? No. Because I know there's always some people that say like I I can I can't get abs. Well, it's like, about your body fat percentage, right? Yeah, but I'm saying like some people just say that they're naturally bulky or on big boned or some bullshit like that. I think that that's a really easy way of copping out. Mm, yeah, because I, and and the thing is though, would you genuinely feel better if you had them? Uh, or you just talk and smoke. I, I would love to have abs or I, I wish I had abs. Do you wish you had them or are you going to do something about it? Yeah. So it's okay. If you, if you say, I would rather someone say, I, I have a coworker and I love her to death because of this. She's, she actually has a beautiful physique. She has fuller figured, but she says, I just can't do what you do. And frankly, I, I don't want to put in the effort. Mm. I appreciate that dead honesty right there over anyone who says, you're so lucky. I wish I could have a body like yours. First off, do not discount all the time and effort that it goes into it as luck. Part two, uh, you don't really mean it because you don't want to, you don't, you're not making the time. You're not prioritized prioritizing you will prioritize the things that matter to you that you genuinely care about because you you'll rearrange your life for it yeah and if you if you if you don't want to do that and you say that you don't want to do that absolutely fine that's when i think that it's okay to say this is my body and this is i've decided that this is is not for me i don't want to put forth the effort that you do i'm absolutely okay with that i don't think everyone should walk around looking like me Partly because that would negate the effort I'm putting in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I saw so, something one day. It said, instead of saying, I don't have time, say, it's not a priority right now. I say that all the time to people. I'm like, just say you don't have time. Or say that you don't have a priority. Or you say that it's not a priority. Yeah. But don't, don't say you don't have time because you're just not making time for it. I just hate excuses. I tell people... I don't have time to make excuses because I'm too busy producing results. Mm, I like that. So, so just do it or say that you don't want to do it. Yeah. But don't just, don't, don't tell people they're lucky. Don't tell them it's in their genes. I used to be chubby. Who are you fooling? I know. I know what it's like. I know the decisions you make on a daily basis. Fuck it. I'm going to, I'll start tomorrow. And then tomorrow becomes the next day and the next day after that until you, your pants don't fit anymore. 
Yeah. And if you still appreciate the body the way it looks, then you're fine, I guess. I mean, just think about the health concerns. So there's that positive, there's a place for body positivity as long as you truly accept it. But don't whine if things aren't in your size. Don't whine if if you don't like the way you look in, in something because you didn't make an effort to change it. Don't make excuses. Produce results. And see, the thing I think, too, about the body positivity thing is they're doing this for women, but do they have the same kind of compassion for men that are bigger? No, they say embrace the dad bod. <laughs> But, you know, like sometimes like if it's a like a bigger girl and then the guy may be less uh, in shape and like they'll reject him. Not saying they have to go with a guy that's uh, less in shape, but it's just like if you want somebody to accept you the way you are, why won't you accept somebody the way they look? I think that's I think that's fair and I think it's valid. I do want to throw this wrench in it, though. I think that men may have it a little bit harder. And I, I know people are always shocked when pe- women say things like this, but I, I really think that men kind of have it harder because they have less options as to what there's, there's a big spectrum of women that can be considered beautiful. Mm-hmm. You can be highly muscular or that's not your thing. Then you can have like the like Kate Moss, very thin body. And there, there's like a spectrum in between that, that, that you can find beautiful. And then men, it's like, you know, very specific Hugh Jackman when he's leaned out for Wolverine kind of bodies that they're looking for, or like the, you don't know what I'm saying, right? Like yeah. the 12 yeah. and the, there's not a lot of variety in there. Your, your hyper muscular superhero body shape or dad bod. So do you think that that is because biologically men are designed to procreate and women are designed to have the children? So like, women have to be more selective with who they choose because you want the best specimen, I would assume. Yeah, but that's best. That specimen's different for different people. Um, I would say that there's just more acceptance of women that have a little bit more soft to them because of the natural birthing mother thing. I'm not so good in this department. I, cause I, I still haven't figured all this stuff out. Yeah. But I'd say that there's just a, a, a bigger spectrum of I maybe mean, men aren't as picky. No, guys will fuck anything. Yeah. Like, it doesn't matter what a woman looks like. She could be the size of a, a fucking bus. Cow. Yeah. And some guy at the end of the night will fuck her. Yeah. And it, and it can be a good looking guy, you know, but guys are just. I don't know. I just what feel like they're a little less picky. <laughs> Tony, yeah. Say, yeah. Tony, say you're saying. I always say that. Uh, Women look at sex like a buffet and men look at sex like a last meal for a person on dessert island. Because like you never know as a man where it's coming from. But you as a woman, you can walk outside and I don't know your sexual preferences, but like if you want a woman, you could probably find a woman. You can definitely find a fucking man. I mean, so like it's just so much easier for you guys. And I, I think that's like, why I, like women are like. Especially here. They're like, ah, nah, I'm good. (laughs) Well, it's also like, you know, a a woman can go up to a guy. Hey, I want you to take me to the bathroom and rail me. A guy can't can't walk up to a girl and go, hey, I'm going to take you to the bathroom and and rail you. Yeah. Right. I mean, you I can, but you'd be a creep. Yeah. Unless you're, unless you're, you can you're pull Jackman. It off. Yeah. yeah. You know, Wolverine. Well, that's another thing too. You don't have to be the best looking guy in the world. 
But if you have charisma, if you have status, you have money, sometimes that helps out too. True. Yeah. What they say, they, um, that men don't get fancy sports cars because they like them. They, they know that the women are attracted by them. Yeah. I mean, most and, men do stuff to get women. Yeah. It's all for the, like, if they could get away with living in a cardboard box, they would, but instead yeah. they buy the place, the pad so that they can attract females. But I do think that that whole, I think the rules are different and I think unfair at times. And I, I feel like we should be a bit more, uh, cognizant of that when dismissing people yeah mm-hmm. yeah would you date somebody that's morbidly obese no <laughs> at least you didn't lie at least you didn't go oh well you know depends how had, nice he what is he great and, personality yeah He's so a- i i do have an answer for this i, I mean because i've uh, i feel like I'm, I'm very picky and so i like i like i like face i like an attractive face mm-hmm Paired with a good personality. So I feel like when people are like, you're superficial, I'm like, you're telling me that because I like beautiful faces, that that excludes the possibility that they have a good personality. Why can't you just get both in one package? Because most beautiful people are kind of vapid. Oh, so not true. (laughs) You think that Kim Kardashian has a great personality? I don't know her. (laughs) <laughs> I don't know her either, but from what you've seen, do you think you could have a good conversation with her? Yeah, I would have. I, I've heard. I've actually Genia. heard some interviews with her. <laughs> I've heard her. I've heard her speak, and she isn't as bad as some folks I've heard talking. So I'll, I'll give her the benefit of the doubt because she she did she did uh, get some schooling. Well, you if know, we could hold a conversation, I'd give her a chance. But I mean, I'm just saying. Well, not not with that. That kind, though. I mean, I'm telling you, that's too much. That's too much back there. <laughs> I don't need something holding my glasses and my, my, my oh god. My furniture. I just need. I I can hold my own stuff. You're not a but, fan of the BBL community. No, I mean, I I don't know. I just no. I, but I I I don't think that excluding. I I just hold out for for uh, like I'm talking to someone now, and he's very attractive. He's very, he's educated and he also has a good personality. I mean, Johnny Kim? Can, <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> and his teeth are strained. He has hair. He's just a good looking guy. And, uh, and it, it, he has a great personality. So it's worth it to just sometimes like hold the course and like, wait, I, I feel like that it, it more importantly though, there are people that have to be with someone because they can't stand being alone and I think that's a bigger problem than waiting for someone who's worthwhile. Yeah, a lot of people are codependent. God, like, why can't you be single? Why can't you stay put? Why don't you do the work in becoming the person that's worth loving than trying so desperately to make someone love you when you're broken? Yeah, I see so many people that I know they'll jump from relationship to relationship. And it's like, take a they're pause, They're already man. in the next they keep. They're moving on after, before they've even gotten out of the other one. And yeah. I'm like, what are you looking for? Because you're not going to find it doing that. So I'd rather just be alone. I took seven years off dating. Like, I'm just now getting back into the the, the swing of things. But I took seven years off because I can. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm I'm good. You know, I'm good by myself. I can take care of myself and 
was just busy doing other things. So, so yeah, if you can do that, then I think you're ready and grown to be in the, the dating world. If not, maybe you should take some time off and invest in yourself. Now, do you That's- see as far as like dating now, is your mentality different than like, say, when you're in your 20s and early 30s? Yes, because I, I still don't look my age. And uh, when I was in my 20s, I looked like JLB. Um, yeah. And when I was in my thirties, you guys at 20 are I, hard pass. Okay. So 20 year old boys are not. So I was single most of my thirties. And now that I'm in my forties, I'm attracting a lot of younger guys, but unfortunately they're kind of in that place where they might be looking for kids and settling down and that sort of thing. And I'm a bit above that range. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's, it's, it's interesting. So I'm just seeing what's out there. Relationships are weird. You know, I think we all want some type of companionship, but it's like, who do you really want to spend the most of your time with? I, I think that at the end of the day, because I mean, I totally believe this because I I'm good by myself uh, as a, I, I'm really, really like my, my space. However, I think that any anything you enter into should be mutually beneficial and like it should enhance your life, not take away from it. So if you spend more time fighting or being annoyed or wondering why you're doing this, then it's not for you. And so if anything I do enter into, it it's going to have to be to to improve my life in some way, or I'm gonna pass yeah. because I'm and, and and having that flexibility allows me to see whatever's out there, take it or leave it. And I'm in a great place right now, to be honest, I think. How important is communication in relationships to you? Uh, you mean frequency or just having quality communication? Quality. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's very, uh, it's essential. I mean, if you don't have that, what do you have? Because how are you going to get that connection if you can't communicate? Do you feel like, a, or have you run into, this, run into this before, like a lot of men don't know how to communicate and that's where the problems happen? It's like y'all are speaking different languages? Well, I think that there, there's communication. They can use their words. Uh, dick pics are just not all there is. Hmm. <laughs> Send me something other than a penis. like, maybe, like uh, Okay, like what is it in the mentality of these guys that do this? Like, what do you think is going to happen? You think she's going to whip out her fucking clit and start playing with it? Right. <laughs> just, just an up close shot. Of, yeah, let's just let's just just exchange genitalia. Do they send like soft dick pics? Or are they always hard? Um, both. <laughs> because because hey, one our, one our, yeah, yeah, one of our gay friends because was they, like, they they want to make sure I compare. Um, you know, legit. So. I actually don't open up most of my DMs. Uh, so Rolo, oh, I, mean, I didn't even think about that. Damn. Yeah, I just auto delete. But uh, for, like every once in a while, I will open one up and I happen to open up Rahul's. So uh, I'm glad I opened that up or else we wouldn't be talking today. Yeah. But wow. uh, for the most part, I get a lot of messages that are uh, I, I used to open them up and I go, oh, no, I don't. This is bad. So, so I you, just auto delete. Do a lot of guys fetish over you? Yes. I mean, like a muscle women, not me specifically, yeah. but any muscle woman, there's a whole genre of men out there who, uh, who, who really like the, it's kind of a dom sub 
situation where uh, they are almost it is a it's certainly a fetish but it's it's where they're being degraded in some ways because they're weaklings because the woman is so muscular and they're there's even some artists who who draw these women that are at least two times the size of the man. Mm-hmm. It's like as in their cartoon drawings or their their digital art, and they're just like flinging these men around. Sometimes they're holding them by their penises wow. and just walking around with them. And there's words like "you're too weak for me" and um, all this. There's a whole fetish community out there. There's one guy who really likes armpits. And so he's got oh, a collection of women who are muscular. We have bigger armpits, right? Or just more, I guess there's more folds in our armpits because of the musculature there. So he likes muscular armpits, a uh, guy that's a calf specialist and all sorts of things. Do you really people in, in your fucking DMs or on, like on your uh, page? Like they're it's, finding it's you on, on Instagram. All of the above. Wow. And there's... It's, it's just, it's their thing. And I, and I don't judge it. I actually think the art part, if they're good artists, I mean, some of it's not so good, but I've seen some guys send me some art and I actually will interact with them in the sense that I, they're like, they're always so, they're, um, does it bother you that I'm, that I drew this? And I'm like, they're so, you know, submissive, but mm-hmm. I could, I encourage them because I said, and I am a believer in this. Uh, I encourage creativity. Yeah. And I, I encourage the arts and I encourage uh, someone who, if you want to use me as a muse, I said, have fun, go at it. Just, just do what you want to do and go crazy. I don't care because that's, that's out of your creative process. And some of it's actually pretty cool. You know, like just how it's like, I, they drew me in such a way that I was like, I wish I had those muscles, (laughs) but they're cartoonish. And uh, I want I want bigger muscles like that. They always have me with these huge calves, and I, my calves are are horrible. So I was like, yeah, I've got calf envy, calf envy of my depiction of me through your. <laughs> so this there's something messed up about. But man, I didn't I, even think about that well, as far as your DMs go. It's yeah, a mess. It's, it, no. So we got lucky. You, I don't know what was. I, I will sometimes just open up if it just seems, you know, I'm not going to get like a penis in my face. Can you uh, see like the the wordage first? Sometimes it starts off with the, like the first sentence uh-huh. and I'll be like, well, that looks safe. Uh, and boom, there's a penis. Yeah. And I'm like, dang it. Got me. Yeah. Because like, sometimes uh, like I won't even go into the. Your first line showed my buddy and I have a have a. Yeah. And my buddy and I have, and I was like, have uh, a what? Sex could have, swing. Could have been a, have a right. fetish. Can we have a That's fetish? Right. We, we want you to, to hold us by our penises and walk around the room. Oh, We're going to fly you to Memphis and beat us up. Throw us through a wall. I was like, okay. No, it's it, my buddy and I have a. And so I was like, have a what? And then podcast. I'm like, okay, well, what's this about? And so that actually is, that's what, uh, it's the first line. Oh, well, thank yeah. you for responding. Well, thanks for having me. That's I'm what I always to- tell everybody, like when they actually respond back, because I know like a lot of people get probably a lot of DMs that I don't even check their DMs, you know? So it's yeah. just that's the extra thing you took out of your time of your day to respond to me. There's some, I, I've met, um, I've made friends through the DMs, not, not 
love connections or anything like that. Some business connections actually too. Um, through like a, I met with a photographer and then we did a photo shoot in Las Vegas recently. And all that happened through Instagram and social media and DMs. So uh, I realized I had originally shut it off because there was just so much coming in that was not good. And then uh, I turned it back on and went just like if you see something like the first line and, it, and you want to look further and open it up, but you don't necessarily have to accept them, then go ahead and do that. And then I've realized that I was missing out on possibilities. So I, I keep it open. It's just that I delete most of the stuff in there. You just need to get an assistant to look at the dick pics for you. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> so what is some of your accomplishments you've had in the bodybuilding bodybuilding world? So I... I've been, I've had a very short career in the NPC IFBB. So uh, I did the Emerald Cup in 2017. That's a very large uh, national qualifying show uh, in here, actually right in Seattle in Bellevue. It's pretty exciting because I didn't have to fly anywhere and didn't have to get a hotel room. So it's like, yeah, I'll do this show, but it's huge. But I actually made, I nationally qualified at the first time I did it. So I was like, okay, golden. The next year I went to NPC Universe, Steve Weinberg's um, national show, and I got my pro card. So it was just one and done. Super, super. Uh, that's, that's, I'm really lucky. I've heard, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. Continue. Well, people go for years trying yeah. to get their pro So, and then uh, I've been doing well. I don't. I'm not a known pro. I don't, I, I have a career obviously outside of the fitness industry. That's a very important distinction. So I don't seek out sponsors. I don't um, hobnob. I don't brown nose. I don't get myself out there. I do have an Instagram account because someone, one of my fellow pros said, hey, you should have one. I'm like, why not? Okay. It'll be fun. It'll be like a, my digital photo album <laughs> that I keep. So that's actually how I treat it. But I don't need to hobnob or schmooze with anyone. So as a result, uh, I don't get paid by my how I place either. So every show I go into, uh, first off, I'm just glad I'm up there and I'm in good health and I'm able to even compete with these ladies. But if I look better than I did the last show, I've already won. Mm. Even if I place dead last, I, I mean, that's not a great feeling, but at the same time, I'm like, but I'm still better than I was last time. So win. And I have that mindset. And some people might poo-poo that mindset. That's fine. That's your life, not mine. This is, this is my daily living. And I do this pretty much for fun. So ultimate goal, one day I would love to stand on the Olympia stage, even though I'm not going to win. But I'd really love to like compete and be like, yes, I got the t-shirt and I bought the jacket. Yeah. And then uh and then just that would be great. But yeah, I still have a career outside of the the bodybuilding world that that needs TLC because that's what pays the bills, feeds the mouth, buys the supplements, you know, all that jazz. So as far as like um do you train anybody or is it just strictly yourself? Just myself. I used to train uh, as a side gig, uh, but the career became so encompassing that I, I didn't really have the time I could dedicate to each person the way I wanted to, the way it should be done right. Mm -hmm. I, I do like personal training. It's enjoyable, but 
Um, and then after COVID, man, so I just uh, put threw together a pretty decent home gym. And uh, I haven't actually gone back to the box gym yet. But I'm thinking about it because I kind of miss, I miss being around people. Yeah. Okay. Just a little bit. Hmm. So, I think I push harder. I don't think people are staring at me, but I feel like, you know, when you go into a gym, there's an accountability. Like, you know, some, like, even if they're not looking at you, you know, that someone could potentially be looking at you half assing a rep. And so it makes you go, no, I'm going to push a little bit harder accountability. And so I feel like I'm missing a little bit of that lately on leg day. So I feel like if I got a gym membership, it would be just to do legs somewhere else it's also like you know you go if you go back to the box gym and you start working out there again they're going to see what you looked like when you first came in and then when they see you say three months later you're bigger right they're like dang you see all that work she's put in like they're going to notice that they might not say anything to you but they're going to notice it yeah or in this case it'd be i would start now and then they're like wow she gained a lot of weight she's fluffy now (laughs) what happened because i'm i'm pretty lean right now i'm six weeks out from a show so uh yeah. When's the next show? Uh, July I mean, 23rd in Chicago. Oh, fun. Yeah, it'll be fun. I, I, I love I, it's going to be a huge show. So I'm really excited. And I'm going to have a deep dish pie after that. Chicago's fun. That's Chicago fun is fun. I'm going to think I think I'm going to do the Wrigley tour. Oh, yeah. My buddy is a big uh, Cubs fan and. They did. They just came back from Chicago, and they did. I think what you just said, or they, they did something like that. Yeah, I heard that tour is bomb, so I can't wait to to do that and uh, and and eat. So, do a lot of your clients, as far as like in your nine to five job, are they intimidated by you? I don't know if they're intimidated. I do get comment, oh, not not directly. Usually, yeah. I, they'll they'll tell my nurses, or they'll ask questions about me to my nurses, <laughs> my assistants, <laughs> that person asked me if, uh, <laughs> so I always, I always hear that, but they usually don't tell me directly unless they're clients that I've had for a long time. Mm-hmm. They know that I compete because they've seen me off season and preparing for a show at the, the fluctuations uh, there. And so they'll ask me, Hey, looks like you're getting ready or uh, when's your next show, that sort of thing. They know. Um, and I feel very comfortable They're I just have the best clients in the world. So um, they know what I do and, and, and trust me with their pet care. So it's, it's, it's a good place. What kind of mindset are you in when you're like a couple of weeks out? The, do you want me to be completely honest? Yes. <laughs> it's usually that I cannot wait till this is done. Are you hard to deal with? No, I'm not. I, I don't get the hangry because I'm used to fasting. And mm-hmm. so I don't I'm someone who gets hangry. Uh, I just feel like I do notice it. And it's already starting now and I'm six weeks out. But each week that gets closer, I have less energy. So my mind is still completely coherent. I don't have the brain fog because I can't. I'm like, I have lives in my hand. Yeah. I'm still doing surgeries. I still have to be functional. I still have to prescribe medicines and do treatments and make suggestions and, and talk through blood work with, with owners. So I have to, doctors don't get, they, they can't come in at half acid on any given day. We have to always be functional. So with that said, 
I am still able to do those things 100%. But my energy level, however, like I'll get shortness of breath and I'm just like, just just feeling the the, the energy like pour out of me. Mm-hmm. So I have exhaustion and that, that gets worse the closer I get. By two weeks out, I'm like feeling ghostly, still there mentally, but my my body feels like a shell. And then the peak week, I take off work. I I cannot I cannot be around people on peak week. So every week before a show, I just take that time off until after the show. Yeah. So like when you're um, like, what's your starting weight to like your stage weight? Okay, here we go. <laughs> uh, I was, I was last season. I, I finally, I'm five foot three. Uh-huh. I finally made it to 180. <laughs> Jesus. Keep in mind, I wasn't able to maintain it. So I, I could only maintain 175 and I was at 18 and a half percent body fat at 175. Wow. Five foot three. Uh, and I made it down to 142 before peak week. And then I dropped down to like 137 or so with water drop and everything. Um, this year I tried to stay more in the fighting range. So 165 and I'm at 143 right now. Do you see yourself ever turn into a Ben Stiller from global gym where he like (laughs) was like physically fit and then got fat as fuck? I'm not going to say that it won't happen if I had some (laughs) terrible injury. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I'm the kind of person that if I had a terrible injury that took one of my legs, uh, I would be like, I'd be the, the first thing when I got out of surgery after they took the leg off, when do I get my paddle? Mm. When do I get my prosthetic? When can I get back up on this leg? Yeah. Because when can I start moving again? And I know that my competitive career will be over, but I still want to be active. Well, it's like those videos you see on Instagram with people that have disabilities and they're just crushing it. Heck yeah. I love those. I mean, like who has an excuse after that? Yeah. I this think that's a, that should be looped over, like, instead of, like, Tears of an Angel by Sarah McLaughlin, <laughs> like, those commercials should be looped on TV during the day. You need, I think more people need to see people getting it done, like, at all costs. Yeah. Because that's the stuff that just, that's my bread and butter right there. So, you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but, like, as far as, like, cycles go with women, is it... Do you lose your cycle when you train so hard? Oh, I don't mind answering that at all. Yeah, I, I haven't. I don't have a period. Yeah, because I, I have a friend of mine. She was really into fitness, and she said when she like started training like super, super hard, uh, she didn't have a period anymore. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I haven't had one since. I guess it's been years. I don't miss it. <laughs> it sounds miserable. Like oh, we as men don't have to think about that. Like, like I heard that like it's like clumping that people. I just thought it was like blood coming. I didn't realize it was like clots of blood dropping out. Sometimes it's just like know, we're so ignorant to stuff that we don't have to deal with. I okay. I think I was one of the fortunate. I always feel like I'm fortunate, but I wonder sometimes if it's mindset and everyone else is whiny. But I when I had them it wasn't that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. It's some discomfort, but get over it. It wasn't that big of a deal. And then when it was gone, I'm like, well, this is awesome, I guess. I mean, so 
when you haven't had it for at least 10 years, you're like, I guess I'm good. Yeah. I don't, I don't mind. It's, and so when they're like, and they do say you can have potential side effects with amenorrhea. And I'm like, how is that a side effect? Isn't that a perk? <laughs> what are you complaining about? Oh God. You will be fertile. I'm like, I don't want to be fertile. <laughs> Did you never want kids? No, this factory's closed. I, I never <laughs> These, these these factory doors never opened. So they were like, never opened. You don't want the child to ruin your physique, or you just didn't want oh, kids in general. It's it's not that because there are some women that are grandmothers that have six packs that compete against me. Mm-hmm. These so there's no excuse for that. And yeah. and so if you want the body, you can have it. So having a baby does not destroy your body. That's a myth. You you know what I mean? Uh, it was. I'm selfish. I mm. like my life. I like my time. I like that I can go, you know what? Next week, I think I'm just going to go to Bali. Yeah. At any moment, I can drop everything and do whatever I want or nothing. Yeah. I like that I can just do nothing. I'm going to take a nap now. I don't have to, but I'm, I could have, I could have grandkids at this point yeah. if I had started around the normal time. But I don't, I don't want to go to Christmas plays. I don't want to like, I don't want to do any of that stuff. I don't want to go to two-year-old birthday parties and they don't <laughs> know what's happening. And I'm you, sorry. I mean, you, don't wanna, like, you don't want to, you don't want to STD you have to feed. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I just, it's just not my thing. It doesn't bring me joy or I don't see how it would bring me joy. I think it would be more an annoyance. So and I think that there's enough people in the world. We're not short. We're overpopulated. You're not going to miss another me. Yeah, I think that's important that people understand that. Like, not everybody has to have kids. We're um, not dying out. As yeah. a race, we're actually, it's the opposite. We've got too many. We're overpopulating and other things are dying. So as we had said earlier. So, uh, yeah. And plus, I'm a lot. You know what I mean? <laughs> I think I think one and done. I, I don't think I need to make copies. Yeah. She would have been formidable. I would have liked to have had, if I had anything, it would have been a daughter uh, because I would want someone to be, I would want someone to feel the strength that I feel. And I'd want to in, in, infuse her with any, anything and everything to, to allow her to be what she wanted to be. But then uh, I ended up just saying, ah, I'll take that energy and put it into me because I'm. Well, maybe you're doing that with your page. You know, you're probably inspiring other women and other men too. you know, just people in general. But there might be some girl out there that wanted to be in, you know, bodybuilding or whatever and was kind of apprehensive to it. And she stumbles across your page and sees how powerful and strong you are and smart and intelligent, all these other things. And it might, you know, those are little seedlings that you can help out that aren't biologically yours. That would be a wonderful, that would be a wonderful thought. Uh, Inspiring someone else because I was inspired along the way. I think that's just paying it forward. Mm hmm. And I feel that that would be a responsible thing to do. Uh, I try and keep it clean on my Instagram too. I, I go through, cause I don't, I don't, I, I have a very thick skin. I'm strong. You can say whatever you want. I dish, I take, I can take it. I'm a big girl, but I go through things when they're negative and I try and get those cleaned up just because or, or like overtly sexual or all these other things where I'm like, that's not where I'm going with this. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't want eggplant emojis. So don't, don't post those. So I restrict you. That's going to happen. Um, yeah. I just like keep it positive. See, I wonder what going. these, 
these people like would they do that to you in your face though it's like you're not a real no, person when you're online they i know what okay so everyone who does comment or come up to me it's always been positive yeah. every single time it's always positive it's always wow and good and that and that's that's nice but i know i get sidelong glances and then the face that falls mm-hmm. i i see those and i'm like okay that's cool i'm not your cup of tea because I'm contradictory to uh, the, the I guess, your concept of female. And I'm okay with that. I'm just being me, but, you know, we'll agree to disagree on it, okay? Uh, but they I did have where uh, my comments, anyone could comment. And I did change that to people who follow me or or I follow. And that has basically negated all of the... I think probably three times a week I would get the puke emoji. Oh, really? That's the one I got the most commonly. I was like, all right, that's fine. I know you don't, but why would you spend the time to look up the emoji and then post it? Yeah. Because you wanted to make sure that you were vomiting or gagging at someone's whatever post. Maybe maybe that's the guy that wants you to throw him through the wall. That's like, He's the one who posted the eggplant. Yeah. <laughs> do you ever go oh, look true. at their do you ever go look at their page and, and be like, just why? <laughs> I do. I, when, when I was getting the the negative the super negative posts of or that's disgusting or whatever, I would be like, okay, who's where's this coming from? And I was like, huh. And one was from Missouri. I'm like, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen well, that me? No, you're just mad. You're just mad I made it out. But yeah. uh so I, I I just went all right, but I never commented back. I'm like I don't have time for that. What? Yeah, that's they what just, they want. They want a reaction. They do want. They want to engage. They want to to. But the thing is, the the worst thing that can happen in their world is for you to ignore them mm. because they're already so desperate for attention. And so if you can just say, I'm not going to give you that even that little bit. That's. That's winning right there. So I'm like, I, I'm. E- it's easy for me to walk away. Yeah, trolls. Because I also are... know that my look is very. All our bodybuilding women, all our looks are very. Uh, they're they're shocking, I think, to some, and you you have to have an awareness of that. You can't just kind of go, "Well, stop looking at me." Come on, they're going to look. Yeah, and they're going to have thoughts, and they're going to process it, and they're going to have opinions about it, and how they deal with that, and how they come up to you if at all, is is something you'll have to deal with. But you can't just ignore it and go, I'm just like everyone else, because you're not. Mm-hmm. And and so people are going to look. And uh, I just don't look around much. I know that people are staring because I've been told by people I'm walking with that we're getting looked at. I'm like, okay, well, okay. Well, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> well, it's like I put in the time. Why not? Yeah. Well, I, you know, my boss's, uh, my boss's wife, my first boss, he said, she said, Dr. Welker, if I had a body like you, I'd walk around naked all the time. I wouldn't even bother wearing clothes. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Leanne. (laughs) But yeah, like the trolls are, they they want to be fed. They want the attention. Uh, That's what they want Yeah. Obviously, there's something inside them that's lacking. So they want to make somebody feel bad or get get a rise out of you. And it's just sad. And like I said, most people wouldn't do that to your face. They wouldn't come up to you and say something hateful. I think it's, it's, they're, 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 they're scratching. They're trying to stay above water. 
Uh, and it, that's their, their demon, not mine. Yeah. So I'm, it's easy for me to let it go. I think some people have a hard time. They can't not engage. And uh, I think that's just a waste of energy. I try to minimize chaos at all cost in my life. Every aspect of my life, chaos is something I can't uh, tolerate and won't tolerate unless it's something I just have to live with uh, a situation. So it's very important to me not to engage. Yeah, it's just, it's pathetic. It really is pathetic. But social media is so new. I mean, it's like going back to America. It's so new. So we as people really don't know how to process it. It's crazy. It's it's crazy how uh, we, and I do still have uh, that handful of friends that have no social media. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, good on you. Because they, they're, they're, they're like virgins. You know what I mean? They just, (laughs) yeah untouched by the the mania the craziness the the I, how accessible everything is i think that it's the great desensitizer because and i remember Chappelle was saying something about this he's like you new folks you young people out here you 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 just hear about this one bombing going off in paris when another bombing's happening and you just don't you just think everything's blowing up and so you become desensitized mm-hmm. i remember Chappelle saying that and i went that's absolutely true because the, all the school shootings, you just go, Oh, another one now, you yeah. know, that, and that's, that's shocking that we can be so dismissive of things that are, are really horrible. And uh, it's because we are inundated with it one after the other post after the other. Uh, I will say this though. Uh, and I know this is, you said ignorance is bliss. And I absolutely <laughs> believe that I choose not to watch the news mm. and I do admit to everyone who's listening i am ignorant of of things going on and i'm okay with that i admit it i'm okay with that i do it on purpose because i i feel like there's just too much i don't see a lot of the good reels i see only the the, the bad news being posted so i keep it light yeah and then yeah Chaos, as I said. It's like I don't think they want people to see the good. They don't want people to see the chaos. Well, I, it just and, and I think that's what sells, right? Mm-hmm. Like the shocking, the the bad. I, um, yeah, I just want to watch some TikTok reels of, of <laughs> puppies and then call it a day. Do you know what I mean? Just I got a lot going on. Yeah, because like I said, most people are good. Majority yeah. of people in this world are good, but like they'll focus on the bad because. I mean, that's what sells. That's ad dollars. So it's unfortunate, but maybe we as people can change that dynamic. Instead of always glorifying the horrible things, start uh, like lifting up to people who are doing good shit in the world. Like you guys. Yeah, I'm trying to, you know. Yes, you're being successful. It's like putting it out there. The good, like, just be, yes, there's a lot of, terrible things going on and there are some some really bad people out there but for the most part we're good mm-hmm. and I, I guess we're not talking like rebecca Sunnybook farms we're talking about like just there are some good people out there uh and a lot of them are our neighbors and we just have to be a little maybe more patient or understanding or know where people are coming from before we quick judge it's uh i think that uh, we have lost a lot of patience with with social media too like everything's got to be now uh, Amazon, I can deliver it by the end of the day. You just ordered it. I, we 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 have no patience anymore. We can't wait for things. 
And so if you don't get that immediate satisfaction, uh, all of a sudden our world's falling apart. And I don't know how we got to this point. This is bad. You know? Well, they said, like, I think it started with, like, Angry Birds. Like, people were swiping, and then they started getting, like, a dopamine rush from it. And then that's kind of like other things that we swipe. Like, you swipe up on Instagram. You swipe left or right on TikTok. I mean, on Bumble and Tinder and stuff like that. Like, people are getting a rush from these devices that we have in our hands. And it's just like, like I said, it's just so new. I don't know if it's one thing that we'll eventually become adapted to or, you know, I'm sure these platforms will continually evolve or go away and there's something else will come out. But I don't know. Like I said, I just at the grand level, I think we're all inherently good, though. Um, Yeah, we're just I think we have a little bit of an addiction. Have you looked at your, uh, you know, the Instagram they have? You can see uh, how much activity you average daily. No, I haven't looked at that. Yeah, I looked at mine and uh, like a couple months ago and I was like, okay, this is, so we're going to stop that. <laughs> well, that <laughs> goes like, back to the time thing where people say they don't have time. Obviously they're calculating how much time you have. That's exactly what I thought of. So thank you for saying that. I looked and I was like, I have been averaging an hour on Instagram. It's like it all like a minute here, a minute there, a minute there. What could you do in an hour? I could do cardio or sleep in for half an hour. Mm-hmm. All of these things. You say you're not getting enough sleep, Welker. Well, you know, I found your hour. Yeah. So, yeah, there's, so I changed my, I changed it up. I'm like, this is bad. And uh, I fixed it. So just being aware of it, that that you can, social media is amazing and it can be an enhancing part of your life, but it can also be that, that hole. It's a hole. It's a pit. Like you go down those rabbit holes, even watching YouTube. Oh, well, I wasn't thinking about watching that video, but I'll click on this. That looks amazing. How did they know? And then they've got all those those uh, schematics that that read you, which is creepy. Yeah. Speaking so, of time and patience, what do you think about when women say they don't want to lift weights because they don't want to be huge? I think that's okay for them to uh, just, you know, if there's... They're, they're just, they, they want to be average. They want to fit into the social norm. But like where you're at now, how long did it take you to get to where you're at now? It didn't happen overnight. Probably didn't happen in a year. No, it, it took years. Uh, so I've been weight training for the purposes of bodybuilding since 2008. And uh, I think that's okay. I they, We all come to it for different reasons. For me, it's like, it's really my control over mental health. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, I feel like it's a place where I, my, both my parents had anxiety and I'm, I don't have medication. I actually found this as my outlet and then I'm good. So it's, it's my, it's my, my, my it's like a my, good vice. It's my therapist. It's my, my medication. It's like all in one. And all I have to do is just go in and do something physical in the gym. And then I'm like, uh, my world is better. And it makes every other obstacle accomplishable, you know, because I, I, I got it here. I accomplished this. So what else can I do? And in terms of muscular growth, though, the reaction there, I, it's fine. I know, like I, I said, we're, we're not everyone's cup of tea, mm-hmm. but it's I don't think that it's as big. I, it's not as big of a deal as people make it, because if I were a guy, she wouldn't be saying that. Yeah. So for some reason, because I'm a woman with muscle and and this is what no one's ever actually said it to me, but I'm ready. Okay. So if you're out there and you're planning on saying this to me, this is what I'm going to say to you. (laughs) 
they'll they'll be like, are you trying to be a man with those muscles? Because that's a common thing said to uh, bodybuilder women. And my response is going to be like, well, from your frame, sir, I can only assume you're trying to be a woman. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying so hard to be underdeveloped. Oh, that's funny. I don't, I, if I were a guy though, it wouldn't be, it's, it's not, it's not even a comment except he'd they'd say like, wow, he's, he, he works out a lot. Do you think you emasculate some men? It's not intentional. I don't, I think that's on them. It's not, it's not me. Yeah. Um, I think there was a, a good post that I, I saw that someone, someone had said, uh, are you intimidating or are you just intimidated? Ah, that's a good one. So there's, it's, it's, it's in your head, not mine. I don't intend, my intent is not to be intimidating. I just think you're intimidated Mm. potentially. And that's, that's your, your circus, your monkeys, not my problem. Yeah. So, and if I make you look a second time and go, huh. And if that little seed in someone says, you know what? I think I am going to take better care of myself. I do want to feel stronger, not look like her necessarily, but I want to be stronger. Then I think that uh, I don't really care about the ones who, who don't like it. I do get comments from men and this, I appreciate the most. And it's, they're not hitting on me. I swear they're not, they're with their significant others. And they say, I wish I had arms like yours. That is, and the, in the presence of their, their spouse or their partner. And I think they mean that. And that is a genuine compliment. And I, I appreciate those. Um, but I've not had any of the negative comments to my face. And I think I know why. Because I can be intimidating if I want to be. I just choose not to. Yeah. You know, I can be She-Hulk. I just don't. I'd rather just stick to being the, the academic. <laughs> what are your favorite body parts to work out? I love working chest and arms and I like all of them except for legs. I know I hate everyone hates legs. I hate legs. Um, lately shoulders because they're my biggest success story. I have genetically have narrow clavicles like Phil Heath. So in order to make my shoulders look bigger or even on par with any of the women I'm standing next to, I have to build more beyond that. Because some of these women, that's their strong part. And they're wider at the clavicle, so they naturally look like they have bigger shoulders. So you have to make the optical illusion by building the muscle outward from there. So a lot of thought goes into it. You have to, like, make shifts in your body so that, like, optically you look bigger. So my shoulders have come a long way. And so that's that's probably the number one, I would say, even over chest. All right. So what's your fuck, Mary kill? You have... Shoulders, your chest, and your back. Shoulders, Mary. Okay. <laughs> All right. What, what were my choices on my chest and back? Chest and back. Your back's massive, so. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, Kill chest, mirror, uh, fuck back. Yeah. Uh, okay. Sure. I don't know. I don't know if I played that right. <laughs> yeah. It's like whatever is your favorite is the one you. I do. want to destroy all those parts. Yeah. So that's, that's the end of that sentence. 
So I don't want to take up too much more of your time. It's been enjoyable. Um, We usually ask people, what mark do you want to leave on the world? And what advice do you have for people? The mark on the world would be in in my small way, each and every interaction with both animals and people to make their lives by extension a better place. And if I inspire someone to be more healthy, every every time that happens is a win for me. Uh, while still maintaining uh, a truth to myself. Uh, in terms of what I would want the the takeaway to be, I want to share a short little story. Okay. And this was, it's real short. Uh, the, a few months ago, I got a letter from my, I finally found a dentist I liked. So I was like, I love this guy. So I'm going to keep going to him. I got a letter from his office and it said that earlier the previous year, he had gone snowboarding and broken his neck. And after a year of physical therapy, he was finally able to move his hands a little bit and his arms. His career is over. Mm-hmm. He's a young guy. We used to always talk about, he used to love to, his, his passion was running, long distance running and, and races. And I would talk about bodybuilding and we were just active people and we appreciated that in each other. And so that story uh, was just devastating to his life. And I just remember thinking, yeah, every make every damn day count because you don't know what's around the corner. Make it count because that's what we're here for. We only have a certain number of trips around the sun. So make it a beautiful trip. That's what I got. Yeah, that's so true. I think a lot of us just take life for granted. Like we think we're going to be here forever. We don't think about our death. Um, And it's sad that you usually think about it when you hear somebody passed away, especially around your age or maybe a little bit older. And you're always like, they're so young. But if Mm. you say like somebody's 60 now, you're like, oh, that's old. But then when they die, it's young. And it's just like, why do you think that way? You know, it's just like there needs to be a shift in the mindset of doing more and being a good person and being kind um, while we're here. Yeah, make your moments count. And every time you're staring at your phone, could you be doing something else? (laughs) Yeah, true. Because like uh, that's the, the worst. Even if you're staring at my picture, <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst. So like when you're out and then people are just not in the moment. They're, and it, it didn't it, used it, to be like that because obviously you know like we do like in the like early '90s or late '90s and early 2000s we didn't have phones like we do now. So it was. Oh, look! I, I remember we had a rotary phone. Come on, I'm older yeah. than you guys. <laughs> but like it's just like you know you're just in the moment though. You're not. Yes. You know, worrying like, about whatever us is doing on Facebook or Instagram when you're out with your friends. He didn't know who was calling until you picked the phone up. <laughs> I heard a song the other day. It was a genuine song and the, the it's a phone call in the song and just ladies like genuine genuine's cheating on your girl and this girl her friend calls her friend and she's like, "Hey." She's like, "Her girl, who is this?" Cuz you know, it's not caller ID and I was like, "Oh fuck, we well, used to have caller ID." I love it. I love it. But there's good and bad to it. I I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. I wouldn't want to be in any other time period. But uh, it's it's got its bad moments. But for the most part, it's a great life. No, I just wish 100%. more people would enjoy it. So I mean, that's that's 
but you can't, you can't make them. So I'll just keep on doing what I'm doing. And then they'll wonder how it's happening. Yeah. And I'll just be like, I'm just living my life. So what are some of your, like, I guess like life goals and fitness goals. So I do want to stand on the Olympia stage at some point. Like I said, if you hear about me going, I, you know, I'm not going to win necessarily, but man, I'd really love to be on that stage. And then, uh, Stay as I want to be like. Do you guys know who Jack Lalane is? Guy was like yeah, in his nineties yeah, and still yeah. had biceps. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I want to be that guy. I want to be like Jack Lalane. I want to be going from machine to machine at a box gym one day with, with my walker. You know, <laughs> I just want to like be. I want to stay moving because I think if I just stop uh, one day, I won't get moving again. I feel like I just like forward motion. Just keep keep it rolling. Uh, for as long as I can. Uh, yeah, till the wheels fall off. Run it till the wheels fall off. Well, you're a very interesting person. You've done a lot. Uh, you've, done, <laughs> you've done more than most people will ever do. Well, I'm not done. So we'll see what I... <laughs> you got to we'll jump out of that plane up. next. I'm only halfway through. So Skydiving. Uh, still going. Still going. Yeah, well, maybe. We'll see. As the older I get, too, I'm like, hmm, choices. I mean, but I mean, you're closer to death, so you might as well enjoy it. Oh, you're right. That would be a way to go out. Boy, she bounces good. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That ground sure did take a beating. Oh, good God. thing she had all that muscle. She bounced good. So, Well, it's been enjoyable. I really appreciate your time. Um, oh, thank you. It's been, the pleasure has been mine. I really appreciate you inviting me. This is very, uh, this is very fun for me. Yeah, I'm glad you answered the DM. I didn't even think about like all the creeps that you may get um, or other people with followings get. So I just I don't, I don't understand why guys are doing that. Like, what? how is it working, though? Like, if you're sending a dick pic to a girl, I mean, I guess there's strength in numbers. So there maybe there's somebody that's like, OK, you know, maybe she got a moment of weakness. Or, I don't fucking know. I'm just I just can't understand the mentality of somebody that. It's like the person that leaves a negative comment. You know, it takes even more effort to send a dick pic. You got to get hard. (laughs) You got to pull your phone out. Whichever form that it's in. I would say this, though. If you you never ask the question, the answer will always be no. What do you mean now? Say that again. So smart. If you never get out there and you never throw out that dick pic or you never ask the question, hey, can we... Uh, don't encourage up. them. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you kind of seem like you like it. <laughs> they're they're going to do it. They're going to do it either way. But like they, it, it is what I was saying. It is numbers. Yeah. So if they send out twenty of these, maybe one girl will engage. Yeah. And then they're just like, oh, gotcha. And then like it might even be a little like not even in her his favor, but he's like, I interacted with her, you know. And and I'm just auto deleting. So that's for all you guys who think that that's actually working. Uh, <laughs> yeah. but it's, 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 it is a numbers game for them and, and it is what it is. I, I, I think that they're always just, there's, there's in, in their sad way, it is still a form of hope. Well, it's like sexual harassment. If you think about it in any other situation. Yes. Uh, in this case, it's just, yeah, it's like, um, it's the new flasher. Like yeah. they don't have trench coats anymore. They don't have the, the, where the, the pants are like, the pockets are cut out and in, in New Wearing York a fucking trench coat, <laughs> right? A trench coat. And then you're like, that's not a finger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> fucking weirdos, man. <laughs> right. Like, like they, this is the, the it's, I guess in my DM is their new uh, trench coat. 
Oh, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I have a friend of mine. She does OnlyFans, and she does it for, like, she's like a dominatrix, and she does, like, feedship. And uh, she came on the podcast. She's on one of the episodes, and she was telling us about, like, sometimes guys, or maybe she told me this in person, actually, but, like, she said that sometimes guys will send her dick pics because they want her to shame them. So maybe some of these guys are looking for, they, like, get off, like, a kink shame. They want to be shamed. I, you know, I don't know what's going on with those guys. I will say for those uh, men and women doing OnlyFans, though, work your hustle. Work yeah. your hustle. I have no judgment at all. Uh, I, they, they keep asking me in my comments to do OnlyFans, but uh, I've got a job. I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, and I could make bank. That would be great. I mean, I could, I, I don't know. I, it's an option if I wanted it. I just don't, um, it's not really who I am. So. Well, I saw that Instagram now has a subscription service. Is that right? Yeah. It's built into Insta- Instagram. I've, it popped up on a couple of people. And then this one girl's like, it's not only fans, but you oh, have, that- you can have exclusive content where people pay per month to see stuff they can't see on your normal feed. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. And then she was even talking about like she could go live with people and all it, everybody that subscribes. I guess it's kind of like a close friends, basically. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I don't know. And you don't have to get nude. Or maybe <laughs> maybe you wrestle your boyfriend or something or, you know, <laughs> something like that. You know, people love that kind of shit. There's some, like I said, there's, I really, I, I mean, do you, you like talk. it? No, I, I don't mean like you it. keep on saying it. Maybe you're into it. No, I'm not into that. But like, as far as like mental, you know, mental health and all that, like obviously for a guy to want to do that, there's something mentally wrong with him. So that needs to be more of a conversation. I don't know if it's if I don't know if it's wrong. Like I said, I try to keep it uh, pretty non-judgmental because we all have our kinks and we all have little things that we prefer over. No, I'm talking about the dick pic. I'm talking about the dick pic. Just sending random women dick pics. That's you're not right in oh. the head doing that. I think they're just trying to reel a hookup in. I do. The man, the male body, I always say is a utility, and women are like art. <laughs> so, like seeing a female, like back in the day, you would look at like pictures of women and it's art, you know. And then, mm-hmm. like men, it's just like you know, we're just there to do a job. Oh, you guys are being hard on yourself. No, I think I'm being human, serious. Like, I think the human body is built for. It is is beautiful in and of itself and built for function. And we're just different. You know, if it like, was it all um, the the default is woman. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you have to develop into a man. I believe that's right. Is that why we have nipples? Yeah. Those useless. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And get breast cancer. Yeah. Um, Didn't Montel Williams have breast cancer? It's Yeah. yeah, it 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 can happen, and people are like, "Oh, that's how is that possible?" I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. Um, your male dog has nipples. Come on. My mom tried to pull off one of my dog's uh, nipples one time. She's like, "He's got a tick." I'm like, "Stop!" <laughs> is that so, why you became a vet? A uh, yeah. Well, but I don't. I I just think that uh, I I'm really open minded when it comes to it. It doesn't. It doesn't mean I have to embrace it in my or interact with it in my own life. Yeah. But I do think that I, I have a very, very uh, understanding when it comes to whatever other people's 
things are. I like I I, I let people live their life, their best life. You're not king shaming. Absolutely not, because I, I except for like where people like get pooped on. That's weird. Yeah, it's also it's also <laughs> two uh, girls one cup. <laughs> well, it also just seems like a really good way to get an infection. I just, mm. but uh, yeah, for like from a science like a doctor standpoint, like that's dirty. But when it's not going to harm someone, yeah, do do what you got to do. I don't. I'm not. I'm not going to shame you for any of that. I just don't necessarily want to be a part of it. It's just not my thing. Uh, but I'll let you live your life. Whatever. Yeah, I always say there's an ask for every seat. So, I mean, just because one person's <laughs> not into it, another person might be into it. And like going back to what I said, as long as I'm not your seat. Yeah. To that so, ass. So the Google says Montel Williams was diagnosed with an error. Oh. In error, he still had a double mastectomy. Uh, Doctors later discovered it was a torn pectoral muscle. Mm. What? Yeah, that's what it's. I'm looking at. It's the first thing that popped up on Google. It's um from some breast can a a b c a i n dot org. Well, that's unfortunate. Well, if they ever diagnose me with uh, breast cancer, I'm going to say check the pec first. Yeah, because in my case, it might be real. African American Breast Cancer Alliance. Huh. Interesting. Dude, I would. Damn. Well, I guess that's the. I mean, we're all fallible, so it's bound to happen, you know. But it's just unfortunate for him. But yeah, I don't know. We got on a tangent about some weird shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I said, I, I had fun. Thank you um, for having this conversation with us. Yeah. Oh, it's my pleasure. Do you have anything for her? No, I sure don't. All right. Well, I really thanks. Uh, thank you for uh, gentlemen for a really uh, great morning. I appreciate you inviting me on this. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, it's thanks. been fun. Like you, you have a, a wealth of knowledge on a lot of stuff. Um, maybe we can do it again where we kind of dial into certain things. But I like to say just have broad conversations. So you get to no, this people. is good. Uh, if you hit me up in a couple of years, who knows what I'll be doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe just saying President Welker, and then I'll be like, okay, <laughs> this is this is what we're doing now. And, <laughs> I watch uh, the news now. <laughs> congrat! I mean, uh, good luck with your upcoming show in Chicago. Yeah, your show and enjoy the pizza, the deep dish. Oh, you know that that's going to happen. And uh, good luck with your new relationship. No, thank you. And uh, I think that's it. Yeah, don't throw them through a wall. Unless she oh. wants to be thrown. Unless yeah. yeah. Unless you want to. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks, Joe, and have a wonderful day. All right. All right love you too. Lots. Bye. Bye bye.